What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning back into the Millennial Puneur Network to the show entitled Rumble Young Man Rumble with me, your host, Vincent Olumal Kun Fadanipo. Today, we dive into it with Timon Cross, aka Remedy. We talk about how he took his tragedy and turned that into triumph. We talk about his passion for music and how he turned that into a profession. We also talk about his overall experience of growing up in the Bay Area and how that shaped his perspective of hustle. To learn more about the brand or me, follow us on Instagram, millennialpreneur.us or my personal Instagram, O-L-U-M-A-Y-O-K-U. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. Millennialpreneur Network, Rumble Young Man Rumble. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, Vincent Olumakun Fadanipo. We have a special guest with us this afternoon. This gentleman reigns as the blueprint, the CEO. Man. The guy that took tragedy to triumph, that essentially started a culture in San Francisco that is repeated time and time after again. You might know him as R-E-M-E-D-Y. <laughs> yes, sir, Remedy. In the <laughs> building, live in the flesh, man. The real one is here. You know what I'm saying? Rolling, patrolling. <laughs> We're not controlling, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you hear his tags on all of the hottest songs. Man. Artists like Little Bean, Zay Bang, and other credits that aren't on the top of my mind right now. Yep. My first memory of this gentleman was Algebra 2 <laughs> at Wallenberg High School. Man. He had the top grade in class, so it doesn't shock me that he's been able to figure it out. Because <laughs> algebra is not an easy subject. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Remedy. What's up with it, man? We here. Not much, man. I'm glad to have you on the pod today, man. Um, it's just I'm super excited just because your story is phenomenal, inspiring, and you inspired me, dog. Like, Appreciate honestly. It. Appreciate you know it. Yeah, I mean, every time I reached out to you or connected with you, being back from wherever I was at, coming yeah. to your shows, yeah, I mean, it's remarkable, dog, seeing you online. And I remember telling you, like, five years ago, I DM'd you, your song was playing in one of the clubs I was in working DC at. In D.C. or something like that. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> what the hell? In D.C. That's and crazy. everybody was, like, fucking with it. Yeah. So what I want to do, man, is I want to start, like, just talk about your early life, your experience in San Francisco, and then we can kind of go into, like, the stuff that you have going on now and how you got to where you got. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would call it a typical beginning, but it ain't really because a lot of people didn't have uh, two parents or whatever have you, but, you know, it's still a single mom household. Pops was around. He probably didn't necessarily... Uh, hold my hand and show me a bunch mm -hmm. but he was around uh, whenever I needed advice or money or anything like that yeah. so I uh, grew up in the Geneva Towers neighborhood uh, always just was I guess a young scholar I knew I was smart early Yeah. so I, I stayed on my work did good in school, played sports I was like dedicated uh, hella early like yeah. from 
not eating red meat and working out and shit at like 12 or 11 and shit like that. Like That's I was crazy. on some other shit. Did you have pro like relatives or? Nah, nah, to be honest, all my, my mom's family is from uh, Chicago. Okay. And my dad's family is from Louisiana. I actually am the product of two people who kind of separated themselves from their families. Like, and wow. they just met each other in San Francisco. Yeah. Wow. That shit is crazy. Like, so they just dipped. They was like, I'm going to San Francisco or the opportunities. I mean, my dad got family out here, but okay. he kind of like the, the person that everybody turned to for money and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. So. I think being that kind of person and knowing that or feeling like your own family and shit using you, you yeah. kind of become like the rebel. Ooh. Like he don't do the family events and parties and shit. Like the black but, sheep and shit. But when people get kicked out of their house, he kind of the one there or, you know, yeah. like when you really need something. He the solid one? He the solid one. He mm. like the, the one that, that take care of the business. He might not be there physically, but mm -hmm. he take care of the business. So, um, yeah, in my opinion, I'd say two rebels. That's awesome, and man. That's, that's how I was born. <laughs> Two people who was just doing their own thing in their own lane. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell me how, like, Geneva Towers culture is, because I feel like, I mean, I grew up in the Mo, but I always felt like, uh, just like, I know Sunnydale and Geneva Towers aren't the same thing, but yeah. within that area, I always felt like things were a little, like, harsh over there at some point. Tell me how that was growing up over there. Uh, to be honest... Uh, from what I know, because I was in the actual Geneva Towers when I was a kid, uh -huh. a lot of people that's from Sunnydale are that, you know, they parents is probably from the Towers. Right. So the Towers has always been more family-oriented. Like, since kids, like, if I met you outside and I kind of grew up with you, uh -huh. one or another, we call each other cousins, mm -hmm. or my dad and your mom, or my dad and your... Auntie is first cousins, and mm -hmm. so we end up being cousins some way, somehow. And it kind of was like that for a while. So growing up, a lot of my, like, my dad is from where I'm from. So, like, growing up, all of his friends or all of his, I guess you would call them his little homies, yeah. was my big homies. Uh, so they'd be on top of me. Yeah. And they'd be on top of everybody. It's kind of like, how can I say it? People think, like, the streets and shit is dishonorable. Mm-hmm. But the towers was honorable. Like yeah. it was like the total opposite. Like everybody there held each other accountable and kinda was like, I guess they felt a uh, certain level of responsibility to give back or to guide the younger into being something better. Like sure. so to be honest, it yeah, it was hard times. The motherfuckers probably was broken, didn't mm -hmm. have a lot. Mm -hmm. But it's always been a lot of love over there for yeah. sure. Like it's a that's how, like, for our generation, I think that was the last of that, man, in a sense. Because man. the community was always, like, held you to a higher standard. And that's that's the good word for it. I think the Towers was a community. Yeah. Like, like, if I went down the street and broke somebody's window, <laughs> and somebody who lived there that knew my mama seen me, uh -huh. I'd get my ass beat by that person. And wow. then they'd tell my mama, then my mama would beat my ass. <laughs> so it's like, that's how much of a community it was. Yeah. Like, nowadays, a motherfucker be like, don't touch my kids. And, you know, yeah, or, I'll fight you on my kids. Yeah, yeah, or you might not even know your neighbors like yeah. that. Back then, we knew everybody. Right, right. Everybody knew your history, your family. Like, it was it, it was it was dope. I think, like you said, though, our age range is definitely the last of that. 
That's the last of it. Because I feel there's always like a disconnect because my perspective is always like for like the younger ones coming up. And anybody that really needs like comes to me genuinely for like a talk or just yeah. perspective. I'm always like, all right, let me spend the time to do that because that's what people gave to me man. without even, even asking. Yeah. Like I would just have like, we were talking about Bill, we talking about uh, Kim, Mark, from Niners yeah. and shit. It's yeah. just like, I used to always have like these conversations that'd be over my head. But then years later, I think back like, oh, that's what they was talking about, man. you know? And it's like, we, the, we are that now Yeah, yeah. for the younger ones. Yeah, it's just, I think now though, the perspective of a young mind has changed. Ooh. Back then, we didn't have to, we didn't care. For instance, like you brought up Bill. We didn't care if Bill had the most money, the flashiest car. Yeah. We still respected him as a man. Mm. You get what I'm saying? And we would hear what he's saying as a man. Now, I feel like if you don't gotten in the show for whatever you're talking about, mm -hmm. these kids ain't listening to yeah, you, bro. Yeah, with like social media and stuff. And that's kind of why I'm at where I'm at or like I might buy jewelry or I might dress a little nicer. I might got a nicer car. Mm -hmm. It's because really because I know that that, that help your word go further with yeah. younger kids. That's why like, you know, a part of my brand has always been be of the of what's going on. Like, uh -huh. you know, like I said, the nice car, clothes and all of that shit. But have a different message and really be yourself at the same time. Right. You get what I'm saying? Right. A lot of people try to chase an image and then they, along with the image, they go with a certain attitude, a certain personality. Uh -huh. Me, I have the image, but still be me. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you touch kind of everything. Like, your mind, I feel like, even since we was younger, like, you always, hey, you know who you put me on to? Huh. Uh, I forgot what class it was. I think it was, like, homeroom or something. Mm. But you put me on a young dro early. He was like, bro, you got to get on this. And I remember crazy. I was on that. So music has kind of been in your life since the early stages? Kind of. Um, mm. So I got older brothers, and they was, they was heavy into other sounds. So like, for instance, my oldest brother was very East Coast, Dipset. Okay. Uh, all of that type of shit, DMX, all of that shit. Yeah. Um, I got a brother that's closer to me, is my middle brother. Mm -hmm. He was down south, so I probably got Young Dro from him. Okay. We share a room, so I heard everything they he yeah. listened to or whatever. Yeah. So I probably got that from him, liked it, and ran off with it or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh, I haven't always been in music, yeah. but I liked it. I was always okay. drawn to it because. It goes back to, like I said, about the dedication thing, the, the playing sports and all of that shit. You mm -hmm. kind of, like, music, for some reason, keep you going. Right, right. I don't know why. We don't know why. It right. might be a random-ass song, but we yeah. listen to it before we go to the game or we listen to it while we working out or after we work out, when we mm -hmm. chilling, when we in the shower, we listen to the music. I wake up in the morning, uh, MTV on the TV, and it's music. Like, you get what I'm saying? So it's that energy been around. Um, but I took that dedication from sports mm -hmm. uh, later on after I got shot and put it into music, basically. Yeah, we, we're definitely going to get to that. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of, of everything that you're saying, is uh, Quincy Jones. You seen his documentary? I haven't. Okay. I haven't. 
it's, to watch it's it. on Netflix. I know you. Timon is you a type of person where you just kind of focus on what you're doing. Like, yeah, you don't never really don't watch TV and shit like that, bro. I really don't. Every time I see you online, I'm like, <laughs> this nigga is making another beat. Man, like, that's it. I, I really don't watch much TV or anything like that. I might need to get into it. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and interviews yeah. when I'm driving and shit. Yeah. But like, in general, I'm not really a TV movie. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, okay. So essentially, what he said was as humans, we can't live without. Um, music and water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you heard that before, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 so it's like, I mean, just from our inner workings, I think the energy that comes from music or whatever kind of just keeps us going. That's a good point. So we got your kind of foundation of yeah. what your, like, core values are, yeah, right? So yeah. let's talk about some of, like, your adolescence in the sense of, okay, what school did you go to? What was your experience at school in, like, the early years? Let's, say, let's start in middle school. What middle school All right, we can go middle school. Herbert Hoover... Middle school, man. Oh. <laughs> Mind you, I'm from the Geneva Towers, bro. This is all the way in the Visitation Valley. Uh, Hoover is in an avenue somewhere mm-hmm. deep down in Terraville. Like, <laughs> bro, I was catching a bus for an hour and 30 minutes every day, bro. Jeez. Every day. I could tell you three or four different routes to the same place. Man. I used to, might have caught the 15 to the end of over here by Beeps Burgers or, mm-hmm. you know, by Lakeview. Mm-hmm. Catch 15 to the L, the L to the, uh, oh, I forgot the bus. I think it's the 48, maybe. Okay. You catch the L down there all the way to the, uh, to where they got like the little tunnel down there. Oh, like. By, it used to be a Starbucks across the street from it. It's like a tunnel oh, where the, where the oh, train goes. Oh, where uh, Terraville, that little intersection? That's what you, okay. Damn, you used to take, that's basically all the way on the side of Terraville. Bro, I used to catch the, the 15 from Geneva Towers to Lakeview, basically. Damn. From Lakeview, get on the L train, the L train to Terraville. Okay. And there was a bus that went from Terraville, bottom of the hill, and drove you up to. Okay, so let's just talk, because, like, we can't just skip past it. How did you learn that bus route at 12? Man, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I I think maybe it might have been like some shit where my mom might have rolled with me a couple of days or something. And okay. then after that, I had the process. Okay. Um, but the beginning, the beginning, I'm going to keep it real. In the sixth grade, I probably started doing that around seventh grade. In the sixth grade, I used to catch... Now, the 15 to the other way, I used to catch the 15 down to third... Um, and uh, I think it's it's either the I think it's the 54. The 54 go up to Kashmir, and I yeah. used to catch a school bus from Kashmir all the way to Hoover. Oh, okay. Which was still like a hype, bro. Like yeah. I still was going 30 minutes yeah. and then get on a school bus for another 45 minutes. Yeah. Mind you, you got to be at the school bus at like fucking seven. So he's waking up at 8:30. Yeah. So he's going to. Would you going to sleep early though? No. No, I always been a oh, night You was thugging it. I was bullshitting, bro. You was thugging. You was sleep my, on the school bus, like. <laughs> and the type of parent I had, my mom, she was like, she allowed you a lot of leeway as long as you can keep up with your shit. So yeah. she basically was like, all right, you want to stay up all night? Make sure you get up for school. Yeah. And, you know, I never really slacked on it, but I'm sure if I was slacking on uh, getting up and shit for school, she probably wouldn't have let me stay up yeah. all night. Yeah, so she put the responsibility in your hands early yeah, yeah. in the sense of, like, you being a man and kind of handling your stuff. Yep, yep. Uh, I think that was a result of 
her having two tribes before me. Like I said, I got two older brothers. Okay. So, like, my oldest brother, she gave ultimate leeway. Like, he able to do everything. He was cussing in yeah. at 14, smoking and shit. Yeah. And my mom was, she wasn't tripping. Yeah. My second brother, she was owning, like, yeah. no leash, no yeah. room, no space. Yeah. And then with me, I think she kind of understood, like, all right, I'm going to give you the opportunity like to get space, yeah. but if you fuck up, I'm on your mm-hmm. ass. Okay, so you have two older brothers. Yeah. You're the youngest? Yeah. Okay. Well, in my house, my dad's side, it's like nine of us. Oh, damn. <laughs> and I'm in the middle Okay. on okay. my dad's side. Okay, so you're the youngest in some arenas, and then you like the middle in others. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> hella funny because I think both sides think of me as being like the golden child or yeah. like the child that everybody likes. Yeah. But I think that comes from me producing results. I don't yeah. think it's like a, I don't think it was like a natural thing like, oh, it's our favorite. No, yeah. it was more like, oh, he's good in school. Oh, he dedicated to this and yeah. he kind of got his own mind and yeah. doing his own thing. So I think that that it can be perceived as the as like the favorite, yeah. but it's really like I think more of like supporting that I already have my own like vision for shit. Right. Cuz I I feel like from knowing you from that early age You've always been like an independent thinker. Yeah. In the sense of like nothing really phased you. Yeah. You get what I mean? Like yeah. it just always felt like you were, even if we started at a certain level, you would always figure out your way to kind of like surpass the difficulty. Yeah. Like we talk about algebra two. I remember like there's a brief memory of mine. We were both like, damn, this shit's crazy. And then like the next week you was like, oh yeah, bro, I just figured out how to do it like da 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 da. Yeah. And it was just like, damn, like. <laughs> Nothing really phased you. So where do you think that perspective comes from in the sense of like you just being able to figure out the next step of things to make it work for you? Mm. That's a good question. I couldn't even tell you. I I would like to give it, you know, the credit to God, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like you may be it smart. Was like, yeah, like <laughs> it was just always been something in me to be like optimistic for real like mm. always see the the good side of shit so it'll be like even though it's a problem in front of me for instance you bring up Ezra too even though I might not have knew how to do none of this stuff mm-hmm. and then out of nowhere like I would think well if I do figure it out mm-hmm. then I won't be able to just get my homework done quick. Yeah. like that's how I would think of it yeah. and that's why I probably had a good grade I'd be in class I'd finish the classwork, but then do my homework yeah so I don't have no homework at home. Like, yeah. I would do shit like that. Like, they could just be, like, on shit. Man, so it was probably, like, more of, like, being optimistic. Like, yeah, it's a problem, but once I get past the problem, now I'm going to be happy. So yeah. let me get past the problem. So you're a natural optimist. Okay. Yeah. Now, this segues us into our next section. Mm-hmm. Um, so after middle school, I mean, you're playing basketball. you kind of dedicated to the sport. Mm-hmm. NBA is your goal? Really? Or- I, I used to like football more, so... Okay. I wanted to uh, play football more, but I think senses say I was better at basketball, you know? Oh, like the family and everything. Yeah, everybody who's around was like, yeah, I was better at basketball. Even though I was still cool or good at football, yeah. but I, people say I had more potential at basketball. Yeah, you was just hella tall. Um, Early, too. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, the goal was definitely... Any sport I can get into okay. that can take me somewhere further, I was with it. Okay, how did Wallenberg happen then? My mom, uh, her goal was to, I don't know if it was her goal or maybe she experienced, like I said with my older brothers, that it was a bad thing, but she kept me out of schools with my friends. 
Ooh. So like, in the towers, we got Lil Viz, which is the elementary school, mm -hmm. Big Viz, the middle school, and then mm -hmm. people normally go to Burton or Bow. Okay. Um, but my mom didn't want me with nobody I was cool with like that. And I don't she know made why. that clear. Yeah, she always sent me to the schools across the whole city because I think it was it was like a thing of being distracted. Mm. You know what I mean? Or falling into the line of what everybody else into and shit. She always pushed me to be a little different, which yeah. probably goes into that individual thinking thing you yeah. was talking about. Because you always were, she kind of put you into a culture shop yeah. and pushed you to be better academically, exactly. socially. Exactly. It was more like a... Nah, you going over here because you're not going to end up like this. <laughs> like, you get what I'm saying? So <laughs> right. I ended up going to Wallenberg and shit. Rest is history. It was what it was. So, I mean, it sounds like your mom is just like a forward thinker. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Does she listen to your music? Yeah. It's hella funny because it'd be like the songs I wouldn't expect her to, but she fuck with it. My mom is still like a cool. hip mom. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? She ain't, she not hip to the point where it's like, she my friend instead of a mom, because mm -hmm. she definitely would get on my ass, but mm -hmm. she still like like urban music and shit like that. She always been in that. Like when I was growing up, we used to listen to fucking Everything. 400 Degrees every day. That yeah. was my mom's shit, Juvenile and all that type of shit. Yeah, Juvenile was, he was on fire back in the day. Man. Okay, so forward thinking mom, you got this structure of being in different environments. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that kind of uh, kind of shaped your perspective. Yeah. Now, we go into the space at Wallenberg. Freshman and you ended sophomore year, right? Middle of sophomore year? What, oh, what, what happened with me? Yeah. Um, nah, I was the middle of freshman year. Serious. So I played, I, I played the season, and then, like, right after the season is... Yeah. yeah. So you played with Stanton. Um, so all I remember is... One night, getting a text from someone. It was either Mike. Uh, I mean, I think we all was talking yeah, about we it. All was, yeah, so, cool. kind of going to that moment or that, I guess, thoughts previous to that incident with you. Uh -huh. And was that a day that you went to school or? Let's try. Yeah. To so, I went to school. It was a Friday. Okay. Um, it was my auntie's birthday. Um, well, not my actual auntie, but like a yeah. auntie. The through. Towers auntie? Nah, really, it's like my mom's friend. I okay. been friends before I was born. Okay. So it was like that. Got you. Um, and they lived in Antioch already way back then. This was in 06. Oh, damn. So I was supposed to go there for her birthday. Mm. Didn't go. Um, I was supposed to, I was talking to a little female at the time. I was supposed to go over there. Mm -hmm. Didn't go. Wow. Um, my mom worked at the rec center in the towers. Um, she told me to go, you know, it was, it was like late, like probably 9, 9.30. Uh -huh. That's when they closed. She was telling us to go home, you know, and whatever, whatever. Didn't go. Ended up going to the store. Um, on the way back from the store, I ended up getting shot uh, twice. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Because I, you know... My whole perspective of that was, I mean, because it was freshman year, I feel like our schedules were, like, in line. Like, we had a lot of classes together. Yeah. So I remember we was talking about, like, 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you remember this conversation, but we was always like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go D1, like, and we gonna win the state championship." You remember? You remember that? I don't know, dog. But you was the first person to kind of talk like that yeah. that I knew. Yeah. So then I immediately was like, "All right, let's go." Ooh, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. it was just like, you know, we were shaping things, and it's funny because a lot of people that we grew up with in that Wallenberg environment uh-huh. are like either here, not here, in jail, like, man, it's so hella crazy. Hell people, hella people. Um, and from, from your experience, like, having that at such a young age, right, mm-hmm. um, what did that do for your perspective at that moment? Was there a dark time that you went through that you had to kind hell of, yeah. like... Hell yeah. Um, shit, like I said, I was dedicated to sports. I used to literally work out, like, up and down my stairs, toe rises, all like, bro, I was like really was locked in. Locked in. So like waking up, well, I spent a month in a coma. Um, wow. So waking up after that month and being told I might not be able to use my legs or yeah. little shit like that was like, bro, extra traumatizing. Yeah. Especially when you're that young. Uh, I was 14, so I would... Like, I understood it, but I didn't understand it. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was always, like like I said, an optimistic thought process. Like, all right, boom, I'm going to shake back. I'm going to be all right. Yeah. Da-da. Yeah. Until, like, a, a little bit of time passed, probably 15, 15 and a half, it started dawning on me. Like, yeah. you know? This is and my reality. It might not be the same ever. Right. Yeah. So, from there, I mean, obviously, you're at such a young age and traumatizing you mentally in the sense of, like, you know, Growing up and having to think about a life that you weren't necessarily thinking about, yeah, and having to accept the reality of a situation from that age, especially if you have this optimistic mind and you you have dreams, yeah. So it's like from that moment, you had to go deep within yourself, definitely, before a lot of people had that conversation yeah, with themselves, yeah, yeah, early, yeah. I mean, it was it's crazy because it was already happening because being that young. And being in the hood, you know, all that kind of shit, you kind of experience a lot early. Because yeah. like your brother had gotten shot before you? Yeah, see, something like that already had me, like, in my mind, shaping me to be a man early, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because at that point, it started being a decision, like, do I take this anger and go do something about it? Do yeah. I take this anger and turn it into a positive thing? Yeah. Like, I didn't know what I was doing at that point. Yeah. Like, I was ready for whatever it was, and I was young and impressionable. Like even though I had my own mind, I still was. It still was. You still trying to be lit, and it was still people I looked up to that was like, like I said, like my big homie. So it's like I'm looking at them like fucking gods. Yeah. So if they was, if you know, when my brother got shot, they would have been like, oh, you know, time it is, da da da. Come, come with me, da da da. I would have went. Yeah. And that's your brother, your family. If they would have been like, uh. Uh, take this weed and da 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 and da, I would have did like you yeah, know being yeah. that young is 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 crazy that yeah. people get put in positions and it shaped their life forever. That's how the cycle kind of starts, man. Man, that shit fucked up. So from that moment, because I remember you left. Uh, I think you came back for a little bit for sophomore year. Yeah, and yeah. then you left and moved to Antioch. Yeah, so I was already living it. I was living in Antioch. No, no, no. Matter of fact, I st- I came the whole sophomore year. And I, I left the 11th grade. Okay. 
So what happened was we ended up moving somewhere else, uh, like in between Tracy and Stockton somewhere. Okay. But my mom was still working in San Francisco, so she kept me in the school because she wanted to be around in case any emergency or yeah. anything like that. So I get back to Wallenberg, and that alone already took a lot. You know, right? Getting so, going back to school, yeah, and it's like different, different person. Basically. It's different because it's like I experienced it a different way. You know mm. what I mean? And now it's like everybody looking at me or questioning and thinking about like wondering if I feel a certain way or mm. you know. And I did, and I used to take certain questions the wrong way, but I just never really showed it. Yeah, I kind of kept it kept it in it was just talking and just chilling yeah because i one of my favorite songs of yours is called role model yeah i mean you know what it's called yeah, but yeah. they don't yeah. um in that song you talk about like whatever you're going through you just you gotta just own it man and don't show it because that's just the environment that you grew up in in the sense of like showing weakness and all this other stuff yeah one thing going back to allenberg did do for me though it helped uh it helped keep me me, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, at first, it was like a lot of people trying to help or thinking I can't do nothing on my own. Mm -hmm. But after a minute, like like you said, you, Mike, Keem, and all of them, mm -hmm. it started just being like, oh, nigga, you cool. Like, yeah. you feel me? Do your own shit. Go <laughs> like, over here, your yeah. own self. Like, yeah. And I needed that. That uh -huh. shit that I needed, like, because if a motherfucker coddled me, yeah. I probably would have been used to being coddled and, yeah. and kept it that way. Yeah. Like, I would have been expecting people to hold my hand through everything, right. you know? Right. But nah, people just was like, nigga, you still you. What's yeah. up, nigga? Like, you know, you feel me? and your experience, bro, to be 100% honest with you, yeah. that helped us all grow up. Yeah. Because I remember, you know, just having the conversation with you and just being in classes with you, like, it always was like a reminder, like, what you think life is yeah. may not be that. Yeah. And that was a lesson for me early that I still think back to this day. You mm -hmm. feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like seeing you from that moment to where you are now, bro, that's like, that ain't nothing but God and like your pure will. Man, man. Because even like people that aren't in your situations can't do what you're doing. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Or have the mind to be like, yo, I'm still positive. I'm still able to like surpass all of this pain. You Definitely. feel what I'm saying? Definitely. So I, I want to give you credit and acknowledge you for that. Appreciate um, it. Appreciate it. So we at this space where we're talking about you leaving, you, you're uh, in Antioch at this point or somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does music come into your life then? Nah. Well. Kind of? Kind of, but not really. So I ended up going to stay with my dad a little bit after I got shot. Um, and where, does, where, where did he live? He lived in Oakland. Okay. And he has... He had a lady he was staying with and her kids, but her kids was like, they was around my age kind of. Mm -hmm. But they was already making beats and shit. Like, they was doing music. Music, music. They was doing it already. Like, okay, so you got tapped in. Yeah, like, I'm I'm around it, and I used to always act like I wasn't tripping off it because in my mind I still was like, I'm going to still play sports, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But they was doing it. And I used to just be around, or I used to watch a little bit, yeah. and then it turned into me trying a little bit, or them telling me what this mean or what that mean. Mm -hmm. And then, shit. The rest I, is I, nah, I really kind of <laughs> left it alone, though. I didn't really go heavy into it. Uh huh. So later on, um, in 11th grade, I was living in Antioch. And by that time, I kind of was back to my normal self. Uh -huh. So Miles was like, she didn't have to work in the city no more, so mm -hmm. it started being like, all right, you can 
you can get to school if you want to go there, you can get to school. Mm-hmm. So I was catching a bus and Bart, like, in a chair and hella shit, busting Bart to Wallenberg every day, missing first period. What? Hella shit. So I didn't even know that. So, yep, my 11th grade year. So what happened, ended up happening then was, uh, shit, I got tired of getting up too early. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck it, y'all could take me to Deer Valley. It was right up the street. Yeah. Um, ended up going to Deer Valley. And that's when the music really started because... I feel like moving to Antioch, going to school in Antioch is, is like a culture shock within itself. Okay, explain that real uh, quick. In a city, even though we all got our own ego, we all got a confidence, mm-hmm. we humble because mm-hmm. we know the truth. Like, we know, nigga, I'm going back to the Jets. Or, like, <laughs> you feel me? We know, like, <laughs> nigga, shit, nigga, I nigga, live in the Jets, bro. But- Antioch, bro, you get to Antioch and you see, like, it's like the movies, bro. Like mansions, like sixteen-year-olds and marrows pulling up to school with licenses and shit. Like, bro, what? And I'm coming from San Francisco, where nobody. We, <laughs> if we had a car, we probably did some hot shit and you know, throw one of them Toyotas. Come on, man, we wasn't even supposed to be in no car, but out there they kind of legally got cars and, li- and licenses and shit. Sixteen, seventeen. Benz is pulling up to school and moving different, bro. Like it was like I said, it was like a real movie to me because like it was like how you see high school in the movies. Yeah. And then on top of that, these are kids. A lot of the kids got families with humble beginnings, so it's like a nigga dad was was in the streets or whatever uh-huh. have you, but found his way up out of them and moved to Antioch. Okay. So now his son want to be hard like his dad, uh, but he never experienced it. Don't have the real track record. Exactly. So it started. It was like crazy to go hmm. out there and see, like true ego and true like yeah, true cockiness. Yeah. Because like I said, in San Francisco, we don't got it. We know like, all right, yeah, you might think you you hot yeah. shit, but nigga, we are going back to some Section Eight type shit. Right. Out there. Niggas, it got it different. Was like, it was different. So, yeah, that changed my outlook for sure. And then um, I ended up meeting like I went to school with Young Kurt and uh, Simba, and like wow. it was it was a bunch of us. But like even back then, Simba rapping and having like people shoot deals at him and shit, and us hearing about it and shit like that was crazy. Yeah. But then it would, like I said, it's a culture shock. So like somebody like Simba. Is like the most popular kid at school. Mm-hmm. Got a car, everything. Yeah, he popular. He set. He set. Yeah, he you know he, he doing it. <laughs> but then, me and my little crew, we actually from San Francisco and shit like that. Uh-huh. And we get that same love as like the most popular people because you just got this bounce about you. Nah, it's be. I think it was like the genuine thing. Like like I said, everybody, not Simba himself, uh-huh. but like. Everybody, most people out there was from, their family was from hard up. Oh, I see what you're saying. You get what I'm saying? So they trying to act like they do this and act like they They trying to act like you, but ain't you. And then when Mm. people come meet the genuine, like, these really niggas from the city or these really niggas from Oakland, like, they really been through some shit. Like, you feel me? Yeah. It's like you get that same love that most of the people who who Got got the most shit is chasing. Wow. Okay. Man, that's something that we deal with as adults. Man. So you getting that lesson, like all these lessons kind of happening back and back and back. Bro, bro. After man, it's each like, other. 
<laughs> it's like, mind you, this all happened in like the first six months of me being at in Antioch at Deer Valley. Damn. Um, so, you know, it's different. So you out there now, a nigga getting girls and a nigga is like, you know, we a little older, so we understand shit. You know, but we we really from a certain cloth compared mm-hmm. to niggas who trying to be from a certain cloth. Mm-hmm. So we manipulating or we shooting dice with these niggas mm-hmm. that got they coming to school with $500 yeah. and we got 10 in our pocket. Yeah. So we try to find a way to get to that <laughs> shit and shit like that. So we, it's just, it was just different, bro. It different, was different culture in high school. I, I can see you reminiscing on it now because you thinking about like how, how much crazy. that impacted you. It's crazy. Like even now to like finding out that people ain't really genuine. Well, yeah. when they got certain things, like mm-hmm. you would think of it as like a genuine thing or like something like that, but they really was playing it. They was acting already. Yeah. Okay. They was planning to get to where they was going. Then, um, like I said, I went to school with young Kurt, so I ended up meeting Kurt. His fool used to be in the hallways, banging on windows and shit, singing and, like, playing. Yeah. But, like I said, that's another dude that was already really making music. Yeah. He really was making beats. Like, he was was going to the studio, making songs. No, he had a home studio doing his own thing. In high school? Yeah. Okay, it was different out there then. But... I know you heard of his song, No Bitch, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that all came out within the first six months of me going to Deer Valley. Oh, it was on fire. Popping rapper out of nowhere. Like, he was the one of the biggest shit on MySpace at that time. Like, it was him, D-Lo, um, and Roach Giggs damn near at that time, bro. Okay. So the Roach Giggs correlation came from that relationship? No, nah, that happened later. Oh, that's way later. That happened later. But uh, that's like, crazy, like even like so from then, boom, me and Kurt fucking with this shit, and mm-hmm. that kind of got me in music because rapping or making beats, making beats. Okay, I didn't really care to be like the center of attention. Okay, and I think I was still uncomfortable with being in a wheelchair at the sure, time. Sure, so sure. I was cool, but like he was making beats and he was rapping, and then I seen like he was popping and he had shit going on. Yeah, so I was like, like we was already cool. But it brought us closer to that. So I was like, I started getting into music, trying to make beats and shit. My shit was weak, but shit, I was trying. <laughs> I'm telling you. And then it's like you around motherfuckers who already got something going on. Like I said, Simba at that age was really in studios and really had like press shoots and shit like, like all that. All type of shit going on. In high Man, school. In high school, bro. In high, that shit's Who was crazy. the label back then that kind of took him under the wing? Was it still E40? Was Simba? Or? Uh, nah, Simba was... was I think it was like uh, like some Columbia shit or something. It was like Columbia Records, like yeah, Columbia, Columbia. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We was young and niggas was doing some. Cause shit. Mac Dre was still was he alive then? Nah, no, cause nah. he he died in like oh, I don't like know. our freshman year probably something. Yeah, like that. he died. He died when we was younger for sure. Uh, I don't remember though, but yeah, that time that that's it, it. I can't even explain it, bro. I'm really trying to like. Nip it in the bud. Yeah, and like... But basically, moving to Antioch and going to school in Antioch was yeah. totally different. Totally different. Change, like, they was just kind of a little bit more that shit on ball. Yeah, that shit woke me up. Into, like, real life and you actually finding yourself outside of your circumstances at the moment. Maybe like, you ain't a kid way no bigger. More. Remember how you said I was already thinking of D1 and shit? Yeah. Moving to Antioch made me feel like... Like, and going to school and meeting people and dealing with... I was like, bro... I'm, I'm not doing no hood shit. Yeah, like, nigga, I'm, I'm like, lit. Bro, I'm about to get these connects. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. Because then it turned into 
shit, I want to be 16 with a car and license too. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. We didn't know how to do none of that shit. In the city, hell no. Nah. Our parents it. probably didn't know either at some point. They you know? had it. It was, it was like going from nothing to something overnight and looking at it like, what the fuck? And you feeling it and touching because you're going over their houses. you Man. like hearing their stories. Everybody house big as fuck with hella TVs, hella cars, whole family own this and doing this. and like, bro, It was just that different. Was different. It was like a little Atlanta. Yeah. Over there, you know how like people move in Atlanta, like the black people, like they just have this certain claw. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's the crazy thing too. And yeah, well, by the time I got there, it was it was a lot of black families already. Yeah, like I didn't move there in the, in the first little wave. I moved like later, but when I did move there, it was it was already what yeah. it was. So you started making beats, mm-hmm. and how long does that process? last before you like all right i can kind of do this years i was terrible until i was about nine 18 19. so you went from 15 to 18. like no i probably started making beats at like 17 or 16 or 17 like 16 and a half because i was in 11th grade so it was like toward the end of my 11th grade year probably like 16. okay so then you're two and a half years let's call it two and a half years of practicing yeah i mean i had a little Little landings and shit like Kurt probably rapped on a beat or two uh-huh. already or something like that. But my shit was my shit wasn't good. Do you ever listen back to some of the stuff that you did? Hell like yeah, that? I got a hard drive full of all my old shit. That shit motivates you like damn, they got came far. Was terrible. Okay, <laughs> okay. So what's the first like project or beat that you worked on when you was like, okay, it's serious. It's serious. From that point, Roach. Roach reached out to you. No, so I'm 17. Damn near, probably just graduated. MySpace was still popping. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I just DM'd him. Like, bro, I got some beats. What's up? Da, da, da. He just sent me his email. So boom, I end up sending him some beats. He ended up rapping on a couple of them, and mm-hmm. he's like, basically, like, on some keep sending them. Mm-hmm. We didn't know each other from Can of Paint. Um, and then. See, but then it's going to turn... I know my story is a little bit everywhere. It's not, really. So, all right. So, you know, rapping on some of the beats. Uh, I'm still making beats and shit. Shit not really... Shit is getting places, but I'm not making no money. Yeah. So, then I had to think of a way to make some money. Um, And that's when DSLR cameras first came out. Yeah. So, it was like people in the Bay. It was like three... It was three... Like videographers in the Bay that was like running shit. Uh-huh. That's when uh, Colin Tilly was early in his career. I remember that. Um, Ares Jerome, and then Ares Jerome had a little cousin named Chris Simmons. Okay. And they was like, if you wanted a video in the Bay, them who you went to. Mind you, like I said, this was like MySpace, so nobody really had videos or nothing like that. And they was producing like real high quality. Right. They was on DSLR cameras like Canons and shit early. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I seen they, they did high-end shit, and back then, uh, shit, even now, to some people, but back then, $500, $600 for a music video was high as fuck. So, what happened was, I thought of it as a, a opportunity. Maybe if I learn how to shoot and edit videos, I can do all, like, the little hood niggas for the two, three hundred dollars and run it up. Make some money. So did that take off right away, or was there a period of time where you were like... I had to get it right on my own, but basically it ended up turning into what it needed to be quick. Like, because 
I got the camera, invested my little money into it, um, and just was shooting around Antioch, me and my partners, um, just practicing and editing and getting better and better and better. So then that opened up another form of connection between me and Roach because I ended up hitting him. He had a video shoot coming up. I ended up hitting him like, uh, let me do behind the scenes. Yeah. So he allowed it. We went uh, to his video shoot. And then I guess being in person just made it. It was like a bond. Like I don't know. I guess like we all. Like instantly. Yeah, we all, and we all from the city. Yeah. Um, I knew his, his close, close friend, Marlo. Like, it was like his best friend. Dreads, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember Marlo. I knew him from just being downtown and little random shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already knew Marlo. So then me and Rose just connected and shit. Oh, it just never ended. It just was like beats, videos, uh, to going on tour and covering a tour. Right. And then it was just like, I don't know. I was rapping. I started rapping in between time. So... Mind you, I'm still shooting videos and making beats, <clears throat> but I don't funnel my music through Roachin'. I kind of do my own thing. Um, I was a little ratchet going to parties and shit like that. <laughs> he so said I was a little ratchet. I'm telling you, so the way I thought of it, I was making music for the parties I was going to. Okay. Sending them to DJ, like trying to get DJs to fuck with. The first DJ that I fucked with me was DJ J12. Mm. Early, early. Lo and behold, DJ J12 is the DJ who DJs all priceless and rocking them parties. Okay. I already knew Boog, Boog from the Towers too. Okay. So I already knew Boog. Boog and Priceless was already like together and yeah. making their music and doing their little part, they party runs and shit. Yeah. So now I'm sending music to J12. J12 playing in every party. They have the hottest parties in the Bay Area, bro. Ah. So my song, Tooted Up, is getting spent in every party and it ended up becoming a, a low-key Bay Area viral hit. At the same time, like I said, DSLR cameras just came out. Yeah. They start vlogging their parties and putting them on YouTube. Oh, shit. So Tooted Up is on this party, on, the, on the party videos. Uh-huh. The party videos is reaching Alabama, Arkansas. Like, bro, New York, like... So, boom, Tudor Up becomes crazy. Uh-huh. I basically had a hit without knowing I had a hit. Because it was on all, all the platforms. It was just on the under. Like, it was a, a little, a little uh, sub-genre. Like, the twerk music shit was, like, some small in the back of the sub-genre type shit. So, like, I ended up having a hit and didn't even know I had a hit. But I'm running around roaching them trying to do shit for them. A little wild story, a little bit everywhere. Long yeah. story short, I had a Bay Area underground hit. Okay. So the underground hit, that propelled you to do more music. Music. But mind you, I told you I was on tour with Roach and them doing a videography. And they did, the, what, the Chico run or what they was that to They used to do from, from Washington down to Arizona, basically. Damn. Like a whole run. And that was just a Roach Gigs tour, or was it yeah. him and some other people? It, that was just Roach. Roach was the headliner. That's crazy, because I, I you remember... Wanna, wait, you want to know what's even crazier about that? What? Burner was the opener, and he and he was paying <laughs> his way in. And he a billionaire now. <laughs> that shit nuts, huh? He was paying to be on Roach Gigs' show. He, he was paying to be on the shows. He paid for the uh, transportation and shit. 
That's crazy. Now he like the richest nigga in the Bay Area. Yeah. That's just how shit worked. Like niggas just put in the work and then it just kinda gets to a point where everything starts to click. Yeah. So but like I said, the twerk shit was like a little sub genre music in the bay. Like Tooted not up. a lot of people was on it. Yeah. Yeah. So once Roach found out I was on that, I had that going on while I was doing the videography shit. Mm-hmm. He started incorporating me musically. Kinda uh surprised me. My first show ever was on my birthday. We he had a show in Oakland. And he just put you on stage. Put me in a fire in the middle of the set. I didn't even know. He was just like, "Yeah, man, it's my boy birthday." Da da da. And uh, he got the song out. Da da. He played the song and he just handed me the mic. Yeah, that was. So you know what's was over ever. ever you know what's um, kind of interesting about that story that you're telling right now? How you got on and someone took you under their wing. Mm-hmm. You remember when the show at Cornerstone? Oh, in Berkeley. Yeah. So yeah, you, when you I know who I brought out too. Yeah, I remember. That's how crazy it is because when uh, mm-hmm. when I hit you like, yo, I, I'm, I'm doing this sponsorship with Crown or whatever, can I come through? You was like, yeah, it's good. And I remember being backstage and, you know, you had Bean back there. Hell yeah. And he just like, it was something special about him in the sense of like how he carried himself. And he always been like super talented with Basso, whichever. Yeah. And that's, that's your blood cousin? Or, yeah. Well, or tower cousin? Tower cousin. Yeah. All right, cool. But it, it's crazy because my dad would tell you that in there they actually related. So, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he kind of raised both of y'all like when it came to like the sports shit and all that. Or so my dad wasn't into none of that shit. My dad was a hustler. Okay, um, his dad was a hustler too, but his dad was actually great at sports. Like growing up, everybody in the city knew his oh, dad was. Sports. That's what you had told me. You told so, me that his dad. Okay. So growing up when I was in the sports, his dad was on my ass. Like he had called Bill and Bill would be like, Tomorrow was bullshitting today, da, da, da. And his dad would take me to the court and literally Whoop your ass. What? Yeah, I remember you telling me. One on ones with a grown man, yeah. like really backing me down yeah. and fouling me hard and shit, like to keep me on my shit. Yeah. Like he'd be on me. Yeah. So like um later on That's how that relationship kind of Yeah, started. so later on, um like even back then though, when I I took uh, Bean to his first gym. We went to Pelega. I used to go to all the little runs and shit in the mm-hmm. city at like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And he had to be like seven or eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I was bringing him everywhere with me and mm-hmm. we just go hoop. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so when I when we got older and I, we kind of had a little distance in between there. Yeah, because you moved. I moved and yeah. he was still in the city and shit like that. So I'm doing the music shit and I've been around for a minute and I he posts a song on Twitter. But you didn't know he was rapping or That was his first song ever. But did he tell you that he was no, like nothing? He never had no contact about that. Damn. I knew about him playing hoops and doing his thing. And, yeah. we, and you know, I used to tap in every now shit. and then. Yeah. Um, but he posted on Twitter. I clicked the link and it sounded solid. Like, I'm like, oh, Ooh. shit, he kind of cool. Yeah. So I ended up having little shows and shit or whatever. I'm like, just come fuck with me, cuz. You could just come, just... Just yeah. come be with me, come yeah. be around and see, you know, I'm like, you really serious about music shit? He like, yeah. I'm like, come be with me, come be around it. So, boom. Uh, he was around and shit. And then, um, it's hella funny. It's a funny ass story. So, Jay Stalin had a show um, one of them years and mm-hmm. then I, I'm performing, mm-hmm. being with me. Like I say, young got one song. And the same thing that happened to me, I tried with him. He did not go for it, huh? 
I gave him the mic, bro. He said like two bars and stopped and just gave me the mic back and, and froze. <laughs> and left. And left the whole joint. Nah, he well, he got off stage basically. <laughs> yeah. So that happens. Mind you, like I said, it's his first song. Yeah. And um I could be kind of an asshole when it comes to, to something I'm into. Like, yeah, like passionate about. Yeah, so most of the shit, like in life, I'm going to keep it real. Everybody tell you like I'm hella nonchalant about most shit, but it's really because I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But when I care about something, I'm hella assertive mm-hmm. and hella like asshole-ish. So like once he did that, I'm going to keep it real. I kind of distanced myself. Like I still was in contact with him, but I'm like, bro, you're not ready. Bro. Yeah, you're not like, ready for this. You ain't ready. You ain't really serious. He's fucking on my brand. <laughs> so I say about a few months passed. And he ended up, he like, going to the studio on his own money and mm-hmm. getting his own beats together and putting out a tape. And it sounded solid again. Okay. So I'm telling him, like, I basically told him, like, yeah, I know I kind of distance myself, but my door always open if you do want some help or if you, you want to fuck with me on some music shit or whatever, it's good. Yeah. But he had small support in our hood and shit like that. People always fucked with him um, musically. Yeah. But it wasn't nothing like what it is now. Yeah, but like he was like, yeah, I'm still fucking with you. Yeah, he said, yeah, I froze up, but I just wasn't ready yet. Yeah, So then, ever since then, it's just been on. Okay, so I mean, that's obviously a layer, a part of your story. Yeah. But let's go back. You you with Roach Gigs, and yeah, he found out I rapped. Uh, he already knew I rapped, but he found out that it was doing some shit. Like I was really making my own way. Okay. Uh, and tooted up, up is popping at that point. Yeah, he ended up bringing me out at the show in Oakland. Uh-huh. So I go from being a cameraman, I go from being a producer to the cameraman. Then after I get my shit going, it's uh-huh. like a newfound respect for me musically. Yeah. I start opening up for him. Okay. Um, and shit. Because now it's like show the show, just you, can, you can see how this is like all making you like a one stop shop. Yeah. Because you understand every aspect of the business. Yeah. That, and that as kind of goal because at the time, keep it, I didn't have like no money or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So I was always thinking of ways to cut out costs and cutting out costs is learn how to do it yourself. Mm. So I just was learning how to do everything. I learned how to like record, engineer, shoot video, edit videos, make the beat. Mm hmm put it on iTunes if I want to, mm-hmm. get my merch made. Like, I... Independent grind. What? I learned all of that. <laughs> and just being... And it was a blessing being with Roach at that time because, you know, he was already popping. Mm-hmm. So it's people trying to give him handouts. Mm-hmm. But I'm meeting these people and making my own relationships with Right, them. right. You feel me? Instead of, that. like, saying, like, hey, Roach, you got so-and-so number? Mm-hmm. Nah, I, I got their number. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah. Like, I was doing... I was building my own... Network. Brand and mm-hmm. network within fucking with them. Okay. So, I mean, once you get this musical respect from people mm-hmm. and you like performing, what happens after that? Album, a song? Yeah, whatever. I put out a tape. It was called Twerk Chair. Um, basically, because at the time I was going to every house party, every function, and dancing. Yeah. And a lot of people knew the nigga in the wheelchair that be at the parties. Yeah. Like, they might not have knew my name or they might not have knew nothing about me, but they yeah. know nigga in the wheelchair be at the parties fucking yeah. with me. Yeah. Um, so I made the cover basically a handicap placard, and then I put a girl on top of the I handicap placard, yeah. and that was the cover. And, and that's that what's on your chain now. Yeah. And that shit just, <laughs> like I said, again, it was like, 
underground viral because the Bay Area party scene at that time, mm-hmm. it was it was crazy because of YouTube and vlogging and shit like mm-hmm. that, and people was just showing the parties, and that's when yiking and all that shit was just beginning, mm-hmm. and. Um, Smart life parties and stuff like that. Man, and yeah. they and they was running around with the cameras and shit. My songs just always was at the parties and people just liked it. That's crazy. So that that plus, so I had the best of both worlds kind of because I had that which is like the the hood crowd. Uh huh. But then I would do I would open up for road shows which was like full of uh, like Spanish people and yeah. white people and yeah. just a different realm of Bay right. area music. Right. So I kind of had the best of both worlds at that time. So that was like the foundation to what For you sure. have now. For sure. So like after that point, was there discussions of like a deal or did you just nah, continue on an independent route? I was just on my own shit. I mean, I, I came across hella opportunities and shit, but I just, yeah. I didn't know nothing about that type of shit. So I was just running my own place. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So... Like and it's I'm just trying to like make the correlation. So it just sounds like how many years are between that point and now that you've been just building this like I put out the twerk share tape in twenty twelve. Okay. So we're talking about nineteen um, years. Nineteen years. years yeah. Of the same thing. And in the sense of like you creating income from streaming shows and you plan out all your shows and your tours now, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And are you with Empire now? Nah, I um I have one like album uh, distribution deal with them, mm-hmm. but I never like signed to them or nothing like yeah. that. Yeah, it's that even then it was just basically like, all right, we we think your work is are they is like basically the work you put in is worth this much this much amount of dollars. So yeah. here go this much amount of dollars and do whatever you want to do. And that's kind of was. <laughs> It was like a that was I guess if you call that a deal then that's a deal but right I ran a play I made that money back made some more money and kept going yeah yeah so what's like next for like what are you thinking about as far as your brand and going forward uh because I mean you've produced for like so many people right now yeah yeah um I like still doing my own thing and I do my own thing based on uh you know people requesting and shit and mm-hmm. it's still fun. Mm-hmm. But I find way more joy in finding new talent and building it up. So I think that's what it's going to turn into, to be honest. I'm already, like a, like you said, a one-stop shop. So essentially, if you really want to be honest, I'm essentially a label myself. Yeah. Like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It was getting to that point. <laughs> like, a motherfucker going to come record with me. I'm going to mix your shit. I'm going to make the beat for you. I'm you engineer a, as well? Yeah. As I'm saying, I'm... All bean shit that came out down there been engineered by me. That's crazy. Except for uh, he's been going to like Empire Studios and shit too. Right. Recently, but before then it was all me. Yeah. And um, shit, mixing, I mix your shit. I, I could edit your video or like a lot of the like behind the scenes content Uh we be putting together. Like we put together a documentary for Bean before, I edited that up or like, we might come together on an idea on like a director type thing or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, or if, so it can be like, I can record your song, make your beat. I literally know how to shoot your video. I literally know how to edit your video. I can yeah. put, it's easy to push it on iTunes now through DistroKid and all of that uh-huh. shit. Like, then I, uh, I'm close with C. Lee. 
See, my story is See, crazy. legal for the people? See, legal for the people. Okay. That's a whole nother <laughs> That's a whole nother story. episode? Bro, that shit is crazy. So, I'm close with him, and me and him work together hella close, and he's great at branding. Yeah. Like, I might not be the best branding person. Okay. So, he's great at branding. So, yeah. essentially, he would be your branding direction person. Yeah. You got everything. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. In, in a, in a one-stop shop in the sense of what you can kind of do for this new talent. Exactly. I mean, I feel like in the Bay Area now, especially like from your foundation tied with Roach and then kind of just like the independent grind mm -hmm. and then with the uh, contribution of what Empire is doing for these artists, mm -hmm. there's something happening in the sense of like respectability from other facets of the United States. Yeah. Now, at this point, from yeah. what I see, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's building up. I get what you're saying. It's, it's turning into some kind of respect in there. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, it looks different. It feels different. And it's yeah. like a different impact. Yeah. Because I'm on the East Coast, and probably the only artist that I've seen push through was, I mean, obviously you, I told you, I heard you at this club, yeah. and then I Am Sue. Oh, yeah. Sue and them. That was another thing, too, to see in the Bay. That was culture shock. Oh, because you, you had ties with them too early? Nah, I'm saying, well, yeah, we was all cool and like fucking with it and just fucking with it. But mm -hmm. I'm saying it was a culture shock to me. That was the first time I seen a takeover happen in the Bay. It happens every two, three years. Mm -hmm. But that's the first time when I say. The cycle. When I say Sue came and like HBK came and like, <laughs> bro. Things were crazy. It affected everything. It kind of. In the Bay, I think the Bay is, is like a one person at a time place. It's fucked up. We don't want it to be like that, uh -huh. but it's literally that. When Sue came, it threw a shadow on anything else that was out here. Right. It's just natural. It elevated but, the game, too. Kind of, but I'm saying he's, he, they, they movement was so big yeah, it was. that everything else was second tier. Mm -hmm. For instance, we, like you just brought them up. We just seen it with Bean and Zay. They movement got so much going on that anything else going on, even though it's good shit and good numbers, and it's still second tier. Like, yeah. people don't look at it the same as that. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Did you see that early, though? Like, because we haven't even mentioned yeah, Zay yeah. Bang yet, but he's, his voice is special. So what happened with that is... Zay always been in and out of jail and shit. Yeah. Um, and I didn't believe he was serious about music at first either. Like I said, I'd be an asshole. I'm assertive and all that shit when it come to music. So, like, I used to... He'd tell you right now, like, Rim didn't fuck with me like that. He thought I wasn't serious. Yeah. But once I noticed he was serious, it was instant play. Yeah. Like, that's all it takes for me. If I love you, I love you as a person outside of music. Like, right. I might not fuck with you in music realm, <laughs> but, like, when I see you at family shit or whatever, it's always going to be love. I'm yeah. still me at the end of the day. But, like, when I seen he was serious, mm -hmm. it was over. We did a song together, instant video. Come on. Yeah. Boom. Uh, next, he, he was just recording at my house all the time. They was coming over every, every, every day, like, beating me. Like, I wake up at 11.30, they'd be at my house at 9, outside, writing Ready. music and shit. Yeah. So, they um just was recording every day. And wow. it was one, it's crazy <laughs> that the song that blew up for him was No Relations. And uh, when he recorded it, I taught him 10 times in a row, like, bro, this, like. This the one? This your song, bro. You produced that joint? Nah. Okay. But I was telling him, like, bro, this, this. This the one? He didn't believe me. He was and then busting I, uh, on that joint. I shot like a little Instagram clip for him at the crib, like mm -hmm. with my little camera and shit. Um, when we posted it, it was getting hella reaction, hella quick. Yeah. So then 
I knew it then once he dropped that motherfucker. That motherfucker. <laughs> it's retarded. Get a million in like a month. I yeah. said, what the fuck? That's my favorite uh, song of his. I mean, like, honestly, from, like, your whole story, bro, I mean, just for the music part, like, you like the, the Dr. Dre of the Bay Area, in a sense. Because uh, just hear me out. I'm not saying, nah, like, direct you. correlation. I get you. I get you. I'm talking about the foundation of where everybody can kind of come and catapult from. You know, for at that time in L.A., it's like, with N.W.A., we're, you're starting a movement, essentially. Yeah. I mean, you don't see, you in the frame, no, so you don't yeah, see it like that's that. That's what I'm saying. I don't see it. And everybody tell me all kind of shit, but I don't. You know, I just do what I do. Yeah. But what I can admit is my hand has definitely been in a lot of shit. Yeah. And I don't, it ain't even about credit or nothing like that. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, even the, it's crazy, like, even the SOB shit, I posted they shit early. Um, and... Shit, after that, it was a pillow tweet. Then after that, it was just, their ass was out of here. Yeah, yeah. And it was crazy. And then even then, like, everybody was like, uh, T.O. sounded like me or whatever. But instead of being bitter and, like, you know, the typical street nigga or something like that, where mm -hmm. I said, fuck that, I'm going to go make that nigga some beats. Because <laughs> he we, lit. And then we had a hit. Yeah, yeah. Then we had a hit together. Like, that shit was crazy. But Damn. that's like to go back to the optimism, bro. Like whenever it be something that people could see as a negative or see, you know, as some out of pocket, I look at it as like, how can I make this work? Yeah, yeah. In how the sense of like, you've already started, like you've had to like start at ground zero and build up. So everything yeah. is up for you in the sense of how you think about things. Basically, basically, it's crazy. I just had a conversation about that the other day. Me oh. and my uh, folks was arguing. Just got deep. Yeah. And yeah, I was just like, like, bro, you gotta understand, I built something out of nothing. Like, zero. you was there when it was zero with me, bro. Yeah. I, I built this shit, nigga. Yeah. Like, yeah. I built some shit. Yeah, that's why I'm so excited about you know your journey, man, and seeing what the next step is. Yeah, and I, you know, I, like, I've told you this off camera, but any relationships that I have, I've always sent your story, your music. Um, there was this cat that I was working with in college. His name was Breon Prescott. Mm -hmm. um, he's like Jamie Foxx manager. And he was essentially trying to sign Gazi at one point. Oh, shit. He was trying to bring that whole thing to, because L.A. Reed was at Epic. Mm -hmm. And they was just trying to have something new. Yeah. So he wanted some Bay Area artists. And this was when you, this was around the time when I, I met you at uh, Cornerstone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a time where, you, Zay Bang, and, and Bean was on a song, and it was it was in a parking lot. That was the video. Yeah. Oh yeah. That that's called it's called practice. And you are gonna find this funny. Mm -hmm. So I sent it to him, and he's like, "Yeah, nah." I said, "They're literally gonna be the biggest artists." Yeah. Right. Yeah. A year later. <laughs> it <laughs> Shit. And now everybody like, "Yo, can you give me a no, bro?" It's like niggas is already, you know. And it's like, from what you built from zero, bro, like. <laughs> I can only imagine what like the peak of this is gonna be, man, because it's like amazing to see. Man, and then I, I, I also gotta get them credit though. They some, they some working hard they, workers. They work, bro. Yeah, like they rap more than me. Like they work. Like they will go in the studio every day and make songs every day if they got to. Like, yeah, you know, 
They work. Even if it's not your beats. They work. They yeah. used to get YouTube beats and buy beats off of people, little SoundClouds and shit. Like, beat stars. They shit. work, bro. Mm. Them fools work. And that's, that's part of why I was able to even be of service. Like, mm -hmm. you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what make me want to be of service because I'm like, oh, y'all working. So however I can help, I'm going to help. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got this opportunity for me, but it might not be fit for me at this time, huh? One of y'all take it. Mm -hmm. You get it? Like, you can't, I can't take it away from them. Them niggas be working. They done, built, they done, they done did they stay and they do their shit. You just showing um, love, you know what I'm saying, where it's yeah. deserved. Yeah, like I say, I told them, like I tell everybody else, my door is open, bro. Like, we cannot see eye to eye today and, and not talk for three years, but if I got an opportunity on the floor, it's good. Like, yeah. My door open. Yeah. Okay, so that leads into our next, like, segue. In the sense of, if there's a new artist in the Bay right now, mm -hmm. and let's say they look up to your movement, your relationships... I mean, I'm not going to tell them all to like, I mean, I'm pretty sure your DMs yeah. is drowned now, but yeah, how should yeah. they get in contact with you? What would you recommend them first doing? It's hard. <laughs> like I said, bro, I'm an asshole when it comes to music, bro. People send me music every day, and when somebody asks me my opinion, they get my opinion. Do you tell them it's back? What? I done been threatened. I have been cussed out. All types of shit. Crazy. But don't ask me what I think then. Like, you feel me? You ask me what I think, I'm going to tell you, bro. Uh -huh. I'm going to tell you what I think. And a lot of shit be trash. But if you are good and you want me to get on your radar, I say um, stay working. Yeah. I'm going to keep it real. Like, in a city, bro, it's no way something good is going to get past me. I'm yeah. going to keep it real. Like You looking for new no, artists? I might not know? even see it, but like... C. Lee might see it and send it to me. Yeah. Bean, see it and send it. Zay, see it and send it. Yeah. Or even not send it, they might just post it. If they post it, I know it's something, so I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. Like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's other people like that that's not even in my circle that I, you know, I'm just, we follow each other or something like that. So if you own somebody radar, mm -hmm. I'm going to end up finding out about you. Okay. And if I find out about you, and I really, really like what you're doing, I'm going to hit you. What's your email? I'm going to send you some beats. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And then you put out a couple beats or something, da -da -da. next thing you know, we end up in a studio together. And if we mesh well, you can turn it into, like, any kind of situation. Like, yeah. I don't know. See, so these live streams that you're doing at the moment, uh, what is the idea behind that? The YouTube ones? Yeah. So basically, I always used to go on Instagram live. I feel like... Uh, it's kind of a bad place for what I do on there. Mm -hmm. um, not too many people want to just sit there, look at their phone while you make beats. Yeah. And not really even see what you're doing. They're just looking at you. Yeah. So um, I think YouTube might have been a better place for that because I could show my face and the program that I'm working on. Okay. And then it's people who go on YouTube literally to learn how to make beats or to, okay. to, to uh, see people's techniques or get inspired or to find new sounds. Mm -hmm. So like... I just moved it to YouTube and made it. It, I think that it's a harder place to get the following, mm -hmm. but once you do, you set. Is it a, is it safe to say that you're looking for talent to develop now? Always. Okay. That's that's just nature <laughs> of yeah. the producing side of me. Though is always just being like shit. If you dope, 
I'm giving you what I got so we can make something dope together. Yeah. All right, folks, you heard him. I mean, if you dope and you got something to offer, he's willing to help you develop. You got to be serious, though, right? Yeah, hella serious. <laughs> I, bro, that's my pet peeve, bro, because it's like I got blood brothers that make music, but they don't take it serious. Yeah. And to be honest, I probably ain't going to help them because at the end of the day, bro, I'm I'm not playing about this. Yeah. Like, my life literally, bro, my bills and everything depend on this. Yeah. So if, if you're not as serious about this as me, yeah. the fuck I'm going to help you for? So I'm what do you wasting my time. So five years. Where's where, Remedy? Where, where, where I'm at. Where's Remedy? Five years. Shit. Hopefully alive. Of course. For one. Yeah. Uh, God's great. All right. Man, uh. I don't know. I I can't be too far from here. I can't live nowhere else like that. I probably furthest I probably go is L.A. I out of state and shit. They got different laws and mm -hmm. it ain't all for me. Mm -hmm. uh, shit. Hopefully, still working, bro. I'm gonna keep it real. That's just as long as I can make a living off music, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Like everybody be into like the fame and getting rich, and I don't gotta be rich, a motherfucker can make enough money to pay rent and then essentially later on down the line build a family with somebody and mm -hmm. really live like an actual life mm -hmm. through music. I'm cool. Yeah. So wherever life take me in five years, I'll be there. I mean, you have a CEO mindset and a uh, a and r ear, you know, so a label, honestly. I could, I could but rappers are annoying, bro. <laughs> rappers are the worst people ever. Great artists are terrible people. Why do you feel like that? The greatness comes from a bad place. From pain? It could be pain. It could be ego. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all start from somewhere, though. So, like, like you said, it could be a pain thing. So now you take an artist that's from the streets, been through hella shit, and you trying to be a boss to this guy. Yeah, or girl. He don't trust you. Yeah. He, he don't, don't trust tr shit in his life. He's been through anybody. too much. Mm -hmm. So you, it's a consistent battle to even be on the same page as him, let alone run business with him. Mm. An artist that's cocky, ego confident, like, how you going to boss him around? That's tough. You get what I'm saying? Especially every, every artist got something like that. It, <laughs> I don't care what nobody say. Ain't no artist that's worth listening to or that got a brand or built their name regular. You're not going to run into nobody that's like, all right, I'm with whatever you say or we going to make this, we going to take this all the easy way. No, mm -hmm. everybody got their own ego. Mm -hmm. Everybody got their pride issues. Everybody mm -hmm. got their own direction they want to go. Right. So essentially being a CEO right now basically have to be either ruling with an iron fist or... Cutting the check and moving out the way. Yeah, just letting it and go. I don't want to do neither. That's that's weird. Right. I don't, I don't want to be like, no, you gonna do this or I'm gonna take your whole life away from you. I don't. I don't operate like that's that. It's not even a stop. But I also don't want to be like, oh, here goes some money. Do whatever you do. Yeah. So I mean, that's just a bridge that you got to get to a space where it makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Because yeah. I I can only imagine like your experience and then the people that are are close to you that you grew up with now that are rapping and got. Up a little buzz, and then some are like not 
anything happening at all, yeah. and you're like in the middle of it in the sense of like you have a your ten thousand hours is in already. But they know. I mean, if they grew up with me by now, they know. Rim, he don't fuck with it. Yeah, yeah, asshole. They mm-hmm. know. I, I promise you, bro. I could. I got ten numbers in my phone right now. I could call. Then sit here and tell you, nah, that nigga don't play when it comes to music. He ain't. Mm-hmm. Everything else is all love. I'm with all the family events. I'm with all the supporting you. And but when it comes to me actually putting in time and making beats and making music and putting something together or taking you up here to have this meeting or helping you throw this show, mm-hmm. if you ain't serious, I ain't serious with you. Yeah, I mean, because this this comes from a core value of yours, Man. especially how you had to develop from like your early childhood experience and it's kind of like this is what has afforded you I guess a freedom of mind of creativity being able to always come to it so anybody that's kind of trying to work with you or around you needs to be like in that same space and then it's like uh, like I said I'm optimistic minded so it's like I always think forward and think of elevation Mm -hmm. so like all the time and effort I put in, not to try to downplay myself, but only got me here. So if I'm going to help anything else, I want it to go further than where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And if you're not as serious about it as I am, you're not going to get close to where I'm at. Yeah. You're not going to get further than where I'm at. Like, being in them, the reason why they at where they at is because they serious they about work. it. They were. They serious about it. Like, it was, a, it was a point in time where something snapped in their mind, and they was just like, nah, I'm going to do this shit. I got to get it. I'm going to do this regardless. I don't care. Like, the way they is, is like, and I don't take it personal because it's how you're supposed to be. I'm going to do this. Even if Remedy don't fuck with me, I'm, I'm going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I look for in yeah. somebody. Because yeah. now you don't need me and make me want to help you more. Mm. Wow. I'm telling you. That's deep. That happens. That happens. You can use that in anything in life, uh, even with women. That's why women want niggas with money. It ain't that they want you for your money. They want to know that you don't need them. All right, once you don't need me, I value you more, and I'm willing to give you everything I got because you don't need it anyway. Yeah, that's a fact. Shit is terrible. Yeah, that's just like human nature in a sense. Yeah, like you want to give somebody who got everything, everything you got. And it's like they don't need it at that point. You should. That's interesting that you bring up that because, like, that's your thought process, yeah. right? That's your emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that that came from? Did it come from the music business and the industry or like personal life kind of occurrences or is it a blend of both? I, like what you mean? I'm trying to... So you just gave an example of like human nature in the oh, sense yeah. of needing somebody and... You know, mental and emotional fortitude, or like yeah. what they call the game. Yeah. Did that come from personal experience and how you're applying it now, or did it kind of come from like being in the music game and having to read people? And I think it came from personal experience, but everything in personal experience is uh, intensified by the music shit. So, like in, in the hood, per se. People say, you know, even though this is your best friend, y'all gonna fall out or something might happen and you can't really, you can't trust nobody. Kind of between you y'all. getting that music, that music industry will show you is way worse. Like mm. the music, to me, the industry, and not even just music industry, I think industry and business in general mm-hmm. is the elite of manipulators, bro. Mm. 
only the elite make it to be known in these spaces. And to stay there, you gotta stay be you gotta keep manipulating. Cutthroat. It's shady, bro. What's what's one example that you can give to some of the listeners out there of like a situation where you was like first getting in the music game, you was like, oh, that's how that worked. To where you was like, oh. It's crazy because I was in a wrong for feeling like this. Mm-hmm. But like, for instance, I have a, like a little buzz and I'll reach out to an artist. But an artist might not respect my buzz how I respect my buzz. Mm. So I feel like we on even playing fields. We should be able to make music and work together. Mm-hmm. But they don't feel like that. Okay. But I took it personal. Right. You feel me? Yeah. And I really shouldn't have. But that was like shit like that be eye openers like. Oh, your perception of me ain't the same perception of me. Uh-huh. Oh, so like it's like you think you above me. Yeah. And I don't I never feel like that. Like if I if I know somebody got a buzz, and even if I'm might be a more known artist, yeah. I'ma still fuck with you because you got something going on. Right. But everybody ain't like that. Yeah. And that's why I have to learn. Like, motherfucker already perceive you under them. Like they like, watch out, I won't. Fuck with these other people, not you. Yeah, that's a big life lesson too. It's yeah. like sometimes you're more willing to give than others. Man, <laughs> yeah. And I gave to a fault a bunch of times. I didn't did a bunch of shit that, and it's I'm not mad about it, but I didn't did a bunch of shit I can be paid a lot of money for for free. Yeah. See, but the thing about it, it always comes back to you though. <clears throat> Definitely. Yeah, you know I mean, and Definitely. it's like the relationships that you make, the people that you come across. And, you know, just like karma. That's just how it works, bro. You know? You yeah. pour in good, you get good back. It may not be immediate, but at some point, it will pay. Yeah. 100%. See, the only thing that... No, that's the, the downside about that <laughs> is even though you might genuinely do something and you might not see a dollar from it, a uh-huh. motherfucker still feel like you're trying to take advantage. That hurt me. Yeah. And I don't really get hurt by a lot of shit. Like I said, I'm nonchalant about a lot of shit. Yeah. But once a motherfucker be like, bro, you just doing this so you can do this. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Whoa, I just gave you hell of my time or yeah, like, hell of my creative ideas mm-hmm. and shit, bro. And you think I'm trying to play you? Yeah. Like, and I ain't even getting no dollar from it. Yeah. Shit crazy. See, because the thing about it, too, is like a lot of, like you said, perspective. A lot of people look at you like you own. You know what I mean? And just seeing perspectives from things that happen in the industry. But a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people are still genuine, you know? Like, you can actually genuinely just want to help somebody because it makes you feel good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, all artists... There's the ugly part of it. It it started off from something, like, their artistic side started off from some kind of trauma or, like I said, ego... Mm-hmm. Something somewhere negative started them being a great artist. Do you see some of that perspective in yourself? That's how you came to that realization. Or? For sure, my shit came from trauma. Mm. Being like I like you know being shot early, young, being a wheelchair, feeling like an outcast, feeling depressed, feeling mm-hmm. all of these negative feelings. Mm-hmm. And you having to deal with I, it. Mind you, like you said, when I was at school, I never acted like that. I never told nobody. Now I never was crying to nobody, but music was my outlet. You get mm. what I'm saying? So it turned. That's what I'm saying. It started off somewhere bad, but it turned into something good. Mm. That goes back to the original point of like ultimate optimism. 
Like you took it and you saw the silver lining and you continue to strive. I think I'm I'm weird though to a point. Like Why? I, I'm optimist to a fault because I don't. It's random, but like my YouTube history, right? What What do you mean by that? Oh, bro, I watch some terrible shit. <laughs> like what? But it's always about making something from terrible turn good. So my recent, well, I started off with like blackhead videos and shit. Uh-huh. So it'd be like people face full of blackheads and they pop all the blackheads and then, you know, they face clean. Yeah. So like, that's cool. But like recently, I've been, for some odd reason, I've been watching this, uh, it's a lady that do feet, bro. And people, toenails be looking so shady, bro. <laughs> but she clean them up nice and at the end of the video, they toenails cool. And I be like, bro, what's Terrible shit. Why am I watching this nasty ass shit? It's all kind of fungus and, bro, oh my God, but. I think I think I just got an obsession with turning nothing into something. Like, I don't yeah, know, it's just something I'm into. You like you like looking at you like going into the darkness, right? Nah, and it's just like I think I I think it's more the process. Like, like who would have known them ugly ass toes could have been fixed? Like, right? You know what I'm saying? That's what I mean. I was reading this thing. It was like this little meme, but it says, "Don't forget seeds grow in darkness." Oh yeah. Shit like that. You yeah. get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you like to see it before it comes to the light. Yeah, I like seeing the potential in it, and then it happened, and I'll be like, I seen it. Yeah. I knew it the whole yeah. time. It's, okay, so in regards to, like, let's let's take, for instance, Beam, right? Mm. When you first heard that record, and you associated that it. with being solid. I don't know. I what type of feeling it. did you get, though? Is it like a body hit? Yeah, I smiled from the inside and out. Like, it was like, I smiled. Really listening to the song, I smiled. Yeah. Because, like I said, I... We weren't in like no everyday contact or nothing like sure, that. Sure, yeah, yeah. It was like slim to none, far here and there. Like, uh, so me hearing that was like, oh shit, he actually good. Like, mm -hmm. and it made me happy in the inside mm -hmm. because I know I know him. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's it's weird. Like from my hood, nobody. It been rappers and shit, and niggas was good, mm -hmm. but they might have been good. Street artists dissing everybody, mm -hmm. or like they might have been good, but they wasn't serious. Mm -hmm. So to find somebody right who was good and he ain't even on no extra gang banging shit, he yeah. got like a a sound that can go to different groups of peoples. Yeah, transcend. And he from where I'm from, and I know this nigga. That's tight. Mm -hmm. Solid. Okay, so outside of the personal relationship, and obviously being is like super talented, and I think he don't even really have a ceiling because mm -hmm. I think his aesthetic. His style, everything is kind of like something that can fit anywhere, really, on yeah. either coast. But like, say, a regular artist that you just listen to, do you still get that same feeling? Nah. I'm mad about that, too. I don't, I don't love music the same way, if that makes sense. You don't I, love it the same way as if you don't know the person? Is that what you're saying? No. I'm saying the same way as when I didn't know about music. Uh, didn't know about the technicalities of music. So, okay. like... What can I, what can I, basketball, let's mm -hmm. use basketball for example. The first time, first couple times you play the sport or you in your hood and you kind of good, mm -hmm. you dribbling all wild, doing all kind of crazy shit, mm -hmm. you ain't got no technique, you just doing your thing. Mm -hmm. And it's fun and you creative and you turn into, you, you, you coming up with new moves and, you know, but when you learn the rules of basketball and you learn the, the, the basics of it. Yeah. 
you don't got that creativity no more. Mm. You kind of stuck in this box the, the now. The innocence. Yeah, you mm. stuck in this box now because you know right from wrong. Mm. So it's like you might have been carrying or you might have been dribbling way mm-hmm. too far out. Mm-hmm. But since you got on that AAU team, now you dribble in and you, mm. you feel me? You kind of, you, you know the rules of it. Mm. And the rules pigeonholes you. Mm. That's what happened to me in music. Once I started learning the technicalities <laughs> of music. Inside out. You lose that. Like, you still can be creative, mm-hmm. but you creative within the rules. Instead of just doing random ass shit and it turning right. it into greatness. Right. So that that's a challenge. Do you feel like there's a certain sonic level that you've reached that you need to break through, or is it kind of just in the sense of like the technique is just keeping me here? I just don't. It, it's it's fucked up to the point where I don't even listen to music the same. Like listening to rap. Like I really used to be fans of artists. Like uh-huh. I would listen like everything they put out, yeah. like it. I'll live by this shit. Like, mm-hmm. wake up, listen to this. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep, listen to this. Drive, mm-hmm. listen to this. Mm-hmm. Now I don't drive and listen to music. I'm listening to podcasts or something. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of music no more. Damn. I make music. I'm creative yeah. and I love it, yeah. but I'm not a fan of it no more. Yeah. It's weird. I've been trying to find a way back to it. Because, like, even, like, the artists, like Lil Baby and all of them, mm-hmm. I might catch a song I like, mm-hmm. but I'm not... Into it, how I like. How used I to miss be. being into music, bro. I'm telling you, like, being in them, be on me about that, and they keep me up on who was new and who hot. Mm-hmm. But I used to be like that person, like searching for what's next, yeah. and knowing what's the next nigga that's yeah. gonna pop out here and da da da. Like, yeah. Now I don't. Never happened to happen. But yeah. I don't know. I think me, me learning the technicalities of music, mm-hmm. it took the fun out of it. Yeah. Start being extra serious. Yeah, the innocence, and then kind of like your patience has been kind of worn thin because of these experiences as well. Yep, and then um, the shit that impress uh, somebody who don't know the technicalities of music mm-hmm. don't don't impress that. me. Yeah, like I'd be like, oh, that was basic. He just did this, this, and that. I know. And how somebody else would be like, bro, that's crazy. I ain't never, <laughs> bro. And I'd be like. Ah. It's cool. So and so it kinda it kinda to be honest, it kinda put me in a space where somebody who don't know about like the details of the shit, uh-huh. they might look at me as like a music hater. Like so I w- so something popping right now, right? It might be a big ass song right now. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, it's cool. But it's lit. Yeah. You feel me? It's like giving everybody else that energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and it it could put me in a space to be a hater, but it's because I know, like, oh, that wasn't that hard to do. Yeah. Or that being that I can do it. Like, the music I like is shit that I'd be like, bro, I would have never did that. That's crazy. Yeah, because I saw you experimented with, like, one of those, like, Juice World style records. Mm. What was that song called? The pop shit. It's called Out of Time. Yeah. That shit was hot. Yeah. Um, that come from... MTV in the morning going to school and shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I I can write hella different kinds of music. Like, even some of my rap songs, like Role Model. Uh-huh. It's a long, old going joke I got with my partner. Matter of fact, with Celie, I tell Celie all the time, my best songs and the songs that people like can be country songs. Listen to Role Model again and and think of it like a country singer. You want Role Model. You get what I'm saying? Oh, okay. I see you saying like the melody. The okay. melody of it and shit. Like, yeah. so if somebody just 
stripped all the beat mm-hmm. and just put a straight guitar and uh, somebody sung that song, it's gonna sound like a country song. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how I came up with that, but that's just most of my music be like that. So let's talk about like one of your records that I, I find interesting. So uh, the title is Escape Me. Uh, I Know You Don't Love Me, is that what it's called? Oh, Don't Love Me. Don't yeah. Love Me. Okay, so where did that record come from? Is that a, like a direct experience, or was that just nah, kind of like... Uh, it was, well, I'm good at concept records, and basically making a record about something and sticking to the topic throughout the song. Okay. Um, don't, I Know You Don't Love Me came from an old Tony Ayo song with 50 Cent. They got a song called I Know You Don't Love Me. You ain't the same with 50 Cent around. Ah, uh, okay. So, uh, Is that your biggest record to date? That or Toot It Up. Wow. Toot It Up is pretty big, bro. I'm telling you that. The ratchet. They still playing that. In a, in a party's hell yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I just changed it to Bay Area rappers because I knew it was going to be relatable. I knew the Bay Area rappers was going to support it because I'm saying their name in a song mm-hmm. in a positive light. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an easy record to make a hit. That's just how I look at shit. Like, it's, it's more formulated. It's yeah, it was yeah. formulated. Like, like even that, people be like, bro, he was going crazy. But in my mind, I'm like, bro, I'll make that in five minutes. Yeah. Just thinking of my rap partners and putting their name in a song is, is hella easy and something to correlate with them. That was easy. So what inspires you now? Like a genuine inspiration, even if it don't come from music, what inspires you to where this first love of yours inspired you in a sense, or a newfound love? Now I be in a, uh, it's more of a mental game with me. Something that, like I gotta watch some crazy shit. Like I gotta see like Gary V or something like that. Like, yeah. I don't know, like like you super know, pump. When people be when people be uh be having the seminars and be talking and shit. Yeah, stories. It kind of focus you up, like you. It, basically, in my mind, it tell me like, oh, you wasting your time partying and chilling with the homies. You need to be <laughs> like shit like that. Fuck yeah. yeah. Snap me in my mold, like yeah. fuck it. Yeah. Because I, I do a lot of second guessing naturally, but I still go through it a lot of shit. But I second guess a lot. Do you feel like your success is realizing your head yet? Like any of your success, you don't feel like you've done anything. That's the torment of like talent. I don't feel like I did shit yet, bro. I really don't. Like I feel like there's so much more out there for me. I just gotta go do it. Yeah. Like yeah, you can like, feel even, it. Even like just making a LA move and going down there for six months and just connecting with everybody out there. Like I need to do everything I did here, mm-hmm. there, and Bridget. then go to Atlanta and do it there. And then. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So now it's like you got connections a little bit everywhere and you kind of, you might, by that time, you done came across four or five major artists that all fuck with you as a person and mm-hmm. now you got them connections and all right. that kind of shit. Records and... Yeah, like, it's out there for me. I just, in my honest opinion, I can, I just feel like I be bullshitting. Some people say I don't bullshit. Some people say I be focused. I'm always working. I'm always doing this. But to me... It don't feel like I'm doing all Well, that. you have a standard for yourself. Man. That's in your head. I was watching this uh, podcast tonight, Mike Tyson podcast, right? Yeah, I watched that shit too. Yeah, that he like, he's just been on the top of the world, probably as famous as Michael Jackson, in some, you know, in some respects, right? Yeah, yeah. He feel like he ain't do nothing. 
You hear what I mean? I it, think as you get older, though, your idea of success is different. Yeah. So your standards are just, like, extremely like, high. Me, when I first started making music, mm-hmm. to be where I'm at now, mm-hmm. this my mind wanted me to hear. So, like, yeah, I think 19-year-old me mm. would have been like, oh, nigga, I'm lit. You on. Okay, so you're saying, like, your mind, you, you like playing a game with yourself. As I too. get older, my mind is... Elevating to different shit Like I want to do different shit I want to help different people Do different shit I want to Like I don't know And I'm The crazy thing is It's like a fear That I'm never going to be Truly happy Mm. But then I know in the back of my mind It's what keep me alive It's like a It's like a yin and a yang Because if I Say if I get to a point Where I'm like all right, boom, I did what I wanted to do. I'm good. Yeah. Now you're just sitting there waiting to die. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Is like, what the fuck else is there to do? What am I grind for? Like, I'm always chasing something, bro, and yeah. I think that keeps me alive. But do you really have, like, complete happiness? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. That's a trip, though, to think about, too, because you're just a naturally, like, happy person. Yeah. But, like, you know, a lot of people, they say you have success on the surface, but suffer behind closed doors yeah. because either your standard is super high, you're, you, we all beat ourselves up. We all are like advocates of chasing things that other people see in us already. Mm-hmm. And like the true value, and we could get into this, but like my whole experience with like success and like dealing with it is truly it comes from like me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you ever heard of... Um, Ayahuasca, you ever heard of ayahuasca? Okay, ayahuasca is a natural plant medicine. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you know, I went through so much through my, my childhood and then going off to school and then kind of like figuring out that I was just in the world by myself. Yeah. So I had to face myself in a sense of like what success means to me and my failures was on my own too. So it was, it was a point where I was always in my head. And when I moved out to L.A. and kind of developed these relationships and, you know, stories kind of pinged together, I started to really see things from a different aspect of, like, how do I want to build my life? And anything truly that we want to have happen, we can make happen. You feel what I mean? Yeah. And it's really just about the, how you're looking at it. Because I'm looking at you, and I've known you since, what, 13 years old? Yeah. And I'm looking at you like, nigga, you did it. You, you beat it. Man. Right? And it's like, I've seen you at the moment where you was like, <laughs> nothing made sense. You yeah. feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, now you rose into this point where it's like, you are literally steering the ship in regards to this, this music shit, bro. Yeah. It's crazy, though, because... <laughs> Well, I, I picked the part of something you just said. Basically, what you're saying is your own validation is within yourself. That's it. But it, you will never be validated at that point. Well, it, see, but here's the thing, though. That's the funny thing about music is, like, your art is subjective to someone else's opinion. Yeah. Right? And you hold it to the standard because they have things like the Grammys. They have things like you being on XXL or you just getting that look. Yeah. Right? But, like, think about how far you've come. Man. Think about what you've done. Think about those moments where you sat in front of that computer and you're like, yo, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And then that moment where everybody respects you for what you did. 
The only difference between that thought within your mind is just a continuation of like positivity. Because five years from now, we'll talk and (laughs) you'll be like on a rocket ship somewhere and it will still be that thing where it's like, yeah, I ain't really this shit. (laughs) Think how that fucks with you. Because our conversation when we was 13, we both thought we was going D1. Yeah. Right? And then you have to deal with the reality of like, nigga, I'm not never playing basketball again in that in that respect. Yeah. And then things just kind of change and you're chasing things. So like for me, bro, I go through the same thing. Just earlier today, I'm tripping about just business and like how it's not going how I want it to go because of how I've developed perceived notions of how it should go from the outside. You yeah. feel what I'm saying? But then I constantly have to remind myself that success comes from me taking that next step. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you ever find different moments of validation through other shit, though? Like, for example, I'm going to give you one of mine. Like, it's, it's hella weird-ass little shit that get me, bro. Mm-hmm. And it'd be like, I don't get why, and I don't even know how, but it get me. So, like, I got this, like, an older brother to me, basically. Like, we around the same age, but he got like, a couple years on me. Mm-hmm. But he always been like... Having money, cars, jewelry, like he been that. Mm-hmm. He been that forever. Mm-hmm. Um and he pulled me to the side one day, like, like, bro, I respect you, bro. Like, nigga, you make your mama proud, bro. I ain't never made my mama proud. Damn. And that shit hit me, bro. Like, and that was like small validation right there. Like, yeah. you get what I'm saying? Like, hell yeah. Like he is, right? He like, bro, you ain't gotta worry about like well, what I he basically like, well, what you do, you ain't gotta worry about hella other yeah. Feel me? And then your family still look at you and champion you, even though you might not have as much money as me or whatever have you, but mm-hmm. nigga, your family love you, your family mm-hmm. look up to you. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, I sm- found small validation in that. Do you find shit like it? Do it be like little moments and shit like that? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, bro. And it's like, it take me back to like the innocent moments, yeah. right? Um, so. It'd be the weirdest shit, like, cause I don't, I feel the same way you do, bro, and I, I identify with that. In, inside, I'm like, I, I haven't done nothing. I don't know where like all this success comes from and what people perceive. Mm-hmm. Because nigga, I didn't, I didn't do good in school. I didn't graduate with a diploma. I just kept working, and then I went to school, created these relationships out of nowhere, and then it, from the outside looking in to some people, it's perceived that I've done something, mm-hmm. right? Now, in the moments of like that I get that feeling is when I come back home and somebody said they proud of me. Somebody that I don't even think was like, even like paying attention. Paying attention. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's a trip because it's like, <laughs> 10 minutes ago, I would just beat myself up. Man. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's, yeah. and it's, it's beautiful to sit here and kind of have this vulnerable conversation because bro, like a lot of people look to you you know, for yeah. like this aspect, because everybody has this problem, bro. We all human. Yeah. If we take everything to a core level, so just to go back into ayahuasca, ayahuasca is a, a natural plant medicine. Yeah, I actually did it. So you can look it up when you get home, but essentially it broke down. It takes you to this space where you start to see things differently from a core level. It's like a psychedelic type thing? Yeah, it's oh. psychedelic. Because the point that I was at in my life is like, I want to see 
what's real. I want to break down yeah. all of the barriers, essentially, that keep me from thinking to a higher level. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just like how we talked about earlier. Like, there's still something inside of me like, yo, I know my mom's still in the Jets, right? Yeah. And it's like, I think about that, and, I, and I'm in spaces where people are having success, but what truly is success and who am I, yeah. right? So what that gave me was a core level of understanding that, bro, we all human, and nothing is outside of your reach if you honestly believe that you can achieve it, yeah. period. You feel me? And that's just the deepness. And, you know, a lot of people may look at natural plant medicines or psychedelics, et cetera, as something that they're not into. And I don't recommend it for everybody. It just depends on if you're ready to have that real moment within your life. Like yeah. Mike Tyson talks about the toad. That's yeah. like essentially yeah. the same, kind of the same thing, yeah. but I guess the toad is more powerful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it kind of just gave me the sense of like a basic level of understanding and I still go back and forth with like thinking with my mind in the sense of like all the shit that the world tries to push on you, especially as black men. Yeah. <laughs> we, that's a whole nother story, right? Yeah, yeah. And I go to like the natural standpoint of like who we are as human beings. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's how I see things if I'm in a healthy space. Yeah. Yeah. That shit crazy. You yeah. never, so you never like felt the same way after that? No, nah, I felt the same way. Like, I'm still... No, not, not feel. I mean, like, your, your base thought process. Like, so that kind of woke you up to another... Bro, yeah. to a whole nother dimension of thinking. Because it's like, look, who are we? I think of that. I always say that, too. That's like a question I, I think to myself. But a motherfucker say, I'm me. What the fuck is me? You're yeah. a body. You're alive. Your mind. Yeah. And but what exactly is me? Like But look, you 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 necessarily probably don't need ayahuasca because you faced death before, bro. Yeah. yeah. Shit has been real for you since that moment. So it's like your your core level of thinking is already, yeah. It's already like I nigga. Know I'd be tripping out for sure naturally. You know what I'm saying? I'd like be naturally. I took it out of time. So it is levels to this shit. And since I've taken it, like I just been going deeper and deeper in consciousness and trying to understand who we are and why we are here. Yeah. And the only thing that I want to do is add to the positivity of abundance. If you believe in God or if you believe in a higher power, whichever, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not my business to say whatever anybody yeah, believes yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So that's that's like the real aspect of things. And sometimes it's like humans, we focus on surface level shit that really isn't doesn't matter. Because like even your story, bro, and I keep going back to this, I know you think you haven't done nothing, but look at how your life transcended from your core level of like identity. Yeah. Like you had to really find yourself. Man. And then you moved into this space where you was like, okay, I need to really fine tune it. And then that took you to where you is now. Like, how does that happen? Who did that for you? Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, shit. That's real. That's real. I, and I, it's crazy because I feel like, like you said, I already think on that level because one question I always have to myself, I don't have any kids or nothing, but it's like, did I dedicate my life to some shit that really didn't matter? Because, I mean, I could still have kids, yeah. but I'm saying like, niggas getting older, mm -hmm. did I miss hell like family time and opportunity chasing this, this lifestyle I want or this dream I got? like. Mm -hmm. What do I really care about? Yeah, what's the balance? That shit deep, bro. Yeah. 
that shit deep, because then I, I be, you know, especially recently, I don't know why it was up recently, but I've been hearing about a lot of people losing, like, older family members and mm -hmm. shit like that. Mm -hmm. And then once a person gone, bro, that's, like, final. That's it. That's deep. Yeah. And then you start thinking, like, damn, instead of doing this, I could have been doing that. Like, for instance, I had an experience where, where I hit that, hit a cross, literal crossroad, bro. It was either go on tour or stay on the road, nigga, or... Beat her with your grandma. And my grandma ended up having a uh, brain aneurysm and all of that shit, like stroke and hella shit. Mm. Um, and she survived. But at that time, I was younger and my I went. I just went and did what I was doing. Mm. Like, still was checking in, but I went and did what I was doing. Mm -hmm. That's like something that I'm not necessarily like regret regretful for it, but mm -hmm. it's like, damn, bro, like. You put shit over your people. Like, mm. you get what I'm saying? You put the idea of what you want to do over your people. Mm. And that, like I said, shit like that showed me how assertive or how Ambitious. passionate and yeah. how. And, like, when it comes to, like, I swear to you, bro, we could be chilling right here if you was just like, hey, let's go to the store, get get this. Or let's go to food spot. Let's go get some food. And you'd be like, what you want to eat? I'd be like, shit, I don't know. And you, I'd be like, you decide. Yeah. You see how passive I am about that. Yeah. But then... When it comes to my music or something I really want to do, yeah. it's no passiveness. It's yeah. like, nah, fuck what you want to do. I'm, we're doing this, yeah. and this is yeah. because this of is this. what it like, is. Yeah, yeah, because you have that strong conviction in you. Yeah, that's crazy because man, it's like there's so many facets of like the human psyche and emotional intelligence that go into like why we are the way that we are, yeah. and that's the question that we all have to ask ourselves. Like, and sometimes meditation helps figuring that out. But I think that the true aspect of why we are here is exactly what you're saying, is to find that. Yeah, that it's, shit crazy. Bro. You're own, like, you're, like, cause like how Jay-Z Jay said, I saw this last night too, it's crazy how the synergy is all working, but everybody has genius level talent. It's just about tapping into it. There's yeah, not one human. It is. Yeah. And a lot of people be, like, like I said, it's ego driven or just in denial about mm -hmm. Who they are and what they can do and what they're good at. Hmm. For instance, even me, I might be a way better producer than anything else, mm -hmm. but my ego not allowing me to just be like, oh, I'm gonna just do this. Right. Because I wanna do this, this, and that, and this. Yeah. You feel me? Instead of taking what's naturally coming my way, mm -hmm. you always want something else. Would you, would you um, personally, would you prefer, and I know this is probably a space, but would you prefer death of the ego as an artist, or would you rather to build that ego to a space where you find success? Death of the ego is boring. boring. <laughs> Why do you say that? Too passive. It's no fun in that. Do you believe that's the unknown, though? If, uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's something to think about, right? But the only reason I say it's too passive because I like to correlate everything to people, shit people like uh, are into or something like. So in a relationship, everybody say girls don't like nice guys because they're too passive. That yeah. shit is boring. Like if if I had somebody with me every day and everything I said go, yeah. I'm gonna get bored, bro. I can do that by myself. I don't yeah. need you here for yeah. that. You yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah. But a motherfucker gonna want somebody with an ego, mm -hmm. with some kind of something they own mind, and be like, nah, let's do this. You're doing this today. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like, that shit is boring. 
I feel like artists need it. That's like what I, I was going to say. As an need, artist. You need ego. You got to have it, bro. I'm telling you. If you don't, if you don't got a certain level of, uh, what's the word for it? Certainness? Nah. Like, it go, it go along with ego. Um, Confidence? I can't think of a word right now, bro. Describe it. It's like confidence or something like that. Arrogance. Like arrogance. You got to have a certain level of arrogance, bro. To be, to be a star in any right, mm-hmm. you have to have arrogance. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you didn't, you, you wouldn't believe you can get where you're going. Mm. Now, if you naturally get somewhere, that's one thing. But for you to go, like, for instance, a rapper, for you mm. to go to the studio... Three years straight and nobody know a song of yours, bro. Mm-hmm. You arrogant as fuck. Yeah. You like, nigga, I know I'm raw. Like delusional almost. In the yeah, sense. I'm raw. I know I'm raw. You're yeah. going to hear me over this time. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to show you I'm yeah. raw. You yeah. get what I'm saying? You have to have that. If you don't got that, you ain't going to never be shit. Well, will some people take that as, when does it turn into arrogance? Because some people would take that as self-confidence and being assertive. It's arrogant when everything show you that it ain't that. Everything around you, like I said, you've been going to the studio for a whole year. You've been putting out songs. You done did videos. You done uh-huh. paid for promotion. You done did everything you could do, and that shit still don't work, but you still saying, fuck that. Y'all going to feel where I'm coming from. Yeah. It's arrogant. Yeah. It's kind of like in the same family. Yeah. That's arrogant. I get the confidence. Confidence is one thing. Confidence is... I'm going to go try. I'm going to the studio yeah. to try it. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. So arrogance could be a bad thing or a very good thing. Arrogance is great. Yeah. The greatest people are arrogant as fuck. Yeah, very assertive, arrogant. Yeah. For instance, the first time you seen Bean and you said he has something about him you could kind of tell. Yeah, he's arrogant. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it though. Yeah. He walk around his chest up, chin out. Yeah, you know, chin yeah. up, chest out. I mean, yeah. like yeah. he walking around like nigga. I'm, I'm that, that nigga already. Like yeah. that's what make him great. Yeah, that's what's gonna draw people to him. Natural aura. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a small sense of arrogance, bro. Like, any, you gotta have that, bro. If you don't got that, you're not gonna, you're not, I'm not gonna say you're not gonna be one because I can't control shit, but mm-hmm. in tradition, you wouldn't end up being a star. You would be like a role player. The right thing, the way things work. If you don't have that natural arrogance, you would be a role player. Mm. Like, for instance, me. Like I said, for most shit, I'm hella passive. Mm-hmm. So, like, I might be more meant to be a role player than to be the nigga. In front leading. Yeah. You feel me? Just natural order. It's of just things. natural. Yeah. But now when it comes to music, I might be more of a playmaker and shit. But like right. in natural life, I don't be giving a fuck about half the shit yeah. motherfuckers care about. So right. It'd be whatever. Yeah. That's man, that's something to really to like kind of dwell on. Um so what what what's new coming out for you? Um, I just been dropping singles lately. hmm I think I'm gonna keep doing that. Uh and just keep pushing, keep working. Um, but like I always, like I said earlier, I'm still. I like dealing with new new talent, bro. It's, okay. That's like, it's fun. Dude. Give you that feeling. Keep me youthful. Yeah. Out here, bro. Cause you like a, <laughs> you like a young OG in the game. It's tw- nigga, you going on twelve nigga, years. It, it, man, this nigga's this nigga's seventeen right now. Lit. Stupid like you get lit. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you need that. Yeah. You need that if you're gonna be involved in music. A lot yeah. of people, uh, you know, fall fall victim to the times and become an old hater. Mm-hmm. I wanna 
if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be producing the show, I'm gonna just keep up with the times and fuck with the young. That's smart. Instead of being like, oh y'all know y'all don't know what y'all doing. Y'all ain't no real. Y'all ain't really have to do shit. In. Yeah, good. It gonna sound like they that. shouldn't have to do shit because my thing is if we had to. The people before us had to break barriers, made it easier for us, we make it easier for them. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's just the natural order. Like, for instance, I tell Bean all the time, when me and Bean first was like getting with each other every day, I told him, he had some other shit going on. I said, bro, be broke for six months, bro. I bet, I bet you, I bet my bottom dollar you finna be making money off music. Be broke and dedicate yourself to music. Yeah, focus on one thing, put that energy into it. And look what happened. Yeah, that's real shit. And all the doors already, I had to fight to open up. He blind through. He got to walk through them hella easy. Yeah. I take photo shoots and keep a cameraman around. You got to keep a videographer around to catch all the tight shit. Yeah. Bro, it, it's like, I can't even explain it. It's like at least 20 things you have to do as a rapper. Yeah, to be successful today. Not even to be successful. To start. To be at that threshold. Because yeah. it's people that do all of this shit and ain't got nothing. Yeah. No money coming in. Nothing. All money going out. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And shit costs a lot. It take a lot. All your time. That's why I say, if you're not serious about it, I'm not finna waste my time because I done had niggas I gave a lot of my time to. Waste it. Get to a point where they see like, oh, it's not just... It's Happy. not just... uh. Rapping and shooting videos, I actually gotta work. I actually gotta go here. I gotta do this. I gotta mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. I gotta stay on social media. Mm -hmm. They don't want to do the work. But if you're serious about it, you gonna figure it out. Because mm. you you willing to go to that that mm -hmm. whiff's end of like you gonna understand like all right, it ain't all fun and games. It's like a job too. Mm. Basically, I think in history though, artists. It's like, a, it's something I learned over time. But most artists become artists because they don't want to, they don't want to feel like it's a job. Oh, they just want to have fun. Artists want to be like, I want to make a living doing what I love. Mm. This shit is still a job, bro. Yeah. And that creates a sense of entitlement. A lot of artists are entitled. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of things are cliche <laughs> in the sense of like, if it doesn't, well, if you're passionate about it, it doesn't feel like a job. But there's still shit. tangible things that you have to meet to make shit actually work. Man. Like talk, deadlines. This shit feel like a job every day. Every time your bills come up, it's... It's a job. If you're going to be doing music all day, every day, uh -huh. and you got bills, yeah. nigga, that's a job. Because if you ain't make enough this month, nigga, you're going to be scrambling at the end of that month like yeah. it's a job. Yeah. You're going to figure it out. Yeah. I'm telling you. Um... But yeah, I think, like you said, the cliche thing is like, uh, you know, it's my passion, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a love doing this, and this is gonna be fun, and I, it's just gonna be, everything is gonna be easy going. Right. Fuck no, it's hell of shit you gotta do. You gotta be places you gotta deal. Like, I think the hardest part for me is dealing with people I don't like. Yeah. Literally don't like. <laughs> like. <laughs> like I would think to myself, I'd be in a meeting and be like, bro. If I came across you just in 
everyday life? When like I would never talk to you, yeah. bro. Like I don't <laughs> But you gotta see like in it's that situation a, a motherfucker sit there and act like you like they best bud, they brother, and it's like, bro, I wouldn't me and you don't even wouldn't coexist with each other. Bro. Yeah, yeah, just because we in the same kind of vicinity as work. So I'm curious. We talk about your ear and you know the music that you I mean kind of listening to at this moment. Let's name the top five in the bay. In the Bay? Music? Yeah. Rapping? Rap. Oh, I couldn't even name you five-day rappers. <laughs> I feel terrible. Uh, you talking about all time or right now? Right now. Let's go right now. Let's make it a little interesting. Well, I'm a cheat because we going B and A for sure. For sure. You got three left. Ooh. I like Rex Life Raj. He's hard. That's, yeah, I just interviewed Ari, by the way. You know Ari, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ari, cool people. I fuck with Ari. Yeah. Uh, two more. more people in the Bay. I'm trying to really think who I listen to. Uh, like, I mean, it, it mean don't it, gotta get complicated. It says no, no politics either. It's just no, your it opinion. ain't politics, but it, it's. I just don't know. Mm. Like, I'm not aware enough. Yeah. Like, I ain't gonna lie. I hear about a lot of people, but I don't just listen to a lot of yeah. people like that. It ain't yeah. a lot of... Like like I said, I don't listen to music the same, so I don't view the way certain people might view talent or might be like, that's hard. This a banger, this yeah. a hit. Yeah. Uh, I'll be like, that shit cool. Okay, let's go to all time. Obviously, the people that influence you. Jacka, Hustler. Uh-huh. Dre, Dre in there for show. Mm. Um, Sue, Sue is big. Uh, fifth person. See, I don't know. I can't do. I don't do these questions good on the spot. That's the point. I, I had to think. I had to think. Uh. I go Roach on my personal influence. Yeah, yeah I 100%. Go Roach. But like, I grew up listening to my music. Oh, Mess. Oh, Mess was hard. I grew up listening to my music, though. I was Jack of Hustler Mess. Yeah. That was like my yeah. whole little realm. Yeah, it was just shit. In the Bay, I wasn't really high for y'all like that. Yeah. I used to listen to it at the parties, though. So where could the people find you? They want to go, they want to find you on social media. Where can they find you? Um, Remedy415 on Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. You got that blue check now. Yeah, they finally verified me, bro. <laughs> you know, you got to keep, you got to um, apply for that shit, right? You got to submit this shit. So I tried to apply a couple times. There was a fuck with me. Yeah. But I guess recently they was like. Now they, they cool, recognize your cool, gangster, you feel me? Cool, cool. But yeah. That shit don't do nothing, though. It just make people go click on your page to see who you is, but fuck that. that I mean, that's a part of the game. That's a part of the, the, the image and thing of being an artist. Man. Um, but yeah, I want to acknowledge you, bro. Just um, love. For just being, like, an amazing individual, dog. Like, I didn't know you your whole life, but I knew you at, like, pivotal points within my life and just seeing you transcend from the period that you kind of like grew from yeah. and where you are now bro 
it's amazing to see. It's inspiring, dog. Appreciate it. You know what I mean? Like, appreciate I hope that this this podcast gets thousands of listeners. That yeah, I'm gonna share it. Appreciate that, dog. You know, you you, you can come listen. You super lit. (laughs) You can come listen. I I don't know. I feel like I was a little bit everywhere in the podcast. I'm gonna keep it real. No, it's not. I think that your story, kind of like, is so many deep parts of your story because of what you went through that we had to touch on it. Yeah. I mean, if we were to summarize this podcast, it kind of went from your story and why it makes sense in today's time. Yeah. And we talked about different things that you're connected to. Yeah. And like once like people can kind of like from like the core place that we started, it makes sense how all these connections were made. It's you still, mean? it's this shit further than that, bro. This shit further than we gotta that. do it. We gotta do a part two, man. Maybe we didn't. We didn't. I'm with it. I'm, I'm with it. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't probably get all of the, the deepest, deepest stories. But do you have a documentary coming out about your story and everything else? I don't. I actually don't. I'm, I might need to look into that. That might really. Yeah, bro. That'll catapult me because I did uh, a while back. I did like uh, with C. Lee. Matter of fact, we did interviews uh, that I just posted on my YouTube. Yeah. And they didn't even have hella views. That was like five, six thousand. But I think it wasn't like something that people rewatch. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that five, six thousand was actual five, six thousand people. When I go places to this day, people say, "Bro, I watched your, mm-hmm. your interview on YouTube, bro." You, mm-hmm. Like you feel me? That shit crazy. Mm-hmm. Like the perception of having big numbers and thinking that everybody fuck with it because it got hella numbers. Mm-hmm. I get talked to about shit with the smallest numbers all day. But it's about the impact. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it'd be hella impactful. Like you said, the role model song, it might not be my biggest song. People hit me about that shit every day, bro. See, that's the thing though, man. Your story is so deep that, I mean, if you wrote a book, it would be a bestseller. Man, I might need to look into it. I mean, you know, for real. Man, yeah, nah, it's... Nigga did hella shit. It's, it's, it's crazy thinking about it. Like, something like this will make me think about it. But on a natural, I don't just think like, damn, I did hella shit. I really did this, that, mm-hmm. this, that. Connected yeah. with this person. Fuck with this person. Did this, that. They don't really, yeah. Because a lot of people that are in your situation at the age and when you went through it, yeah. that would have been it, bro. Mentally, emotionally, recovering. And that's the thing, too, though. Like... I, I give, I'm like empathetic, but like not, I don't feel sorry for me. Mm. It's weird. Like when I meet other people in chairs and shit, bro, they, they stories that make me want to cry. Mm. Like I really feel them. Like I don't care. Like I don't give myself that excuse though. It's mm. hella weird. Everybody be like, bro, you went through hell. I'll be like, well, it's whatever. Yeah, I'm still me. But like other people, bro. I be feeling hella bad. Hmm. I feel hella bad. I don't feel nothing for myself, though. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me when it comes to that. I mean, I just think that you just have, like, uh, one of these special minds. You know, a lot of, yeah, of genius-level talent kind of have this way of thinking and their relationship with the world yeah. and how you present yourself. So I'm excited about <laughs> Man, the next steps. I'm telling you. You don't even think you've done anything yet. You know what I mean? So and that's the crazy part. I feel like it's hella more to do. And like you said, it, it all comes from like the the uh society's uh, way of validating you and mm-hmm. you know, the little wars or money or you know, but yeah. 
That shit don't be all the, at, all the, the end, glitter. Yeah, at, in the end, to be honest, like you, you know, like we was talking about, that shit don't mean nothing to an actual person. Like when you really strip all that shit down, motherfuckers, well, people. I know, you know. And this is the last thing that I say, but how I associate that feeling is like, do you remember when you were like in like kindergarten or to third grade? and how you just met somebody and it was just a genuine friend of yours and there were no in-betweens or anything that mattered that made you that person's friend, yeah. that's the true essence of who we should be as humans. Mm. You know what I, <laughs> you know what I compare it to? I'm sorry, bro. A lot you of my shit go up, back bro. to trauma, bro. <laughs> when I was a kid, bro, it, it happened to me more than once, but when you a kid and you slam your head on the floor or something, Ooh. and like you kind of in a day state, right? But your first thought start being like, out of everybody out here, why me? Yeah. That is as stripped of a human as you gonna be. That's humbling as fuck. Yeah. Like, when you, I, don't, I can't explain the feeling, but it's like, you know how a motherfucker say you never thought it'd be you until it's you? Mm. That moment, like slapping my head on the ground or even when I was shot, I'm laying there like, damn. Out of everybody out here, I'm shot. Like, that's crazy. Mm. Like, it'd be shit like that that humbled me. Mm. Like, Core I, level. Yeah. I don't know why, like, slamming my head against something. Like, like I don't know. That day state is like... You, you fucked up. Yeah, but I can't... I really can't explain it. Or, like, even, like, right before you pass out. I'm sure you probably you probably had a situation where you kind of get hella lightheaded. Yeah, like that, bro. That's humbling. <laughs> you don't know. You don't even like, nigga. I'm human. <laughs> you don't even think about nothing else in life. You worry like, bro, how for the stay up, bro? Yeah. For the pass out, for the pass out, for the pass out. Yeah, and like that strip you of everything. Yeah. That show you that none of that shit matter, bro. Yeah. Because at the end of the day. It's all about your mortality, bro, and, yeah. and, and shit like that, bro. That shit be crazy to me. Let me let me tell you something that's gonna trip you out, and then we cut it out. Yeah. So as humans, right? How long have we been trying to get to space? Like in general. I think forever. I don't believe that. Forever. That, I don't believe but the last thing. We are in space. Oh, I mean, we are. Technically. Yeah. So what are we really reaching for? Like Earth is the only planet that we know of. That credit, bills, or structure even matters. Mm. Think about that. And like, just go deep in the thought of like how many planets are out there and how cocky of a species we have to be to think that we're the only life form. Mm. Hey. <laughs> there you go. Arrogance. Arrogance. <laughs> and it's like, yo, the understanding of like human nature and core level things, I think that we touched on in this interview today. Mm -hmm. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. It's all love. Remedy. Remedy. Go ahead. Steal spill, dog. I ain't cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no. Nah, I ain't even know what I was going to say, but I can say it, though. Y'all see me and my boy Vince just sitting here chopping game, man, talking about a little bit of everything. Yeah. Appreciate y'all tuning in, listening to the story and the stories and paying attention to what the stories to come. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. New projects coming soon. Definitely. Uh, R-E-M-E-D-Y -E -E 415 yes, on Instagram. Yes, sir. Thanks for pulling up, man. Yes, I love. Rumble, young man, rumble. <laughs>